Hello, everybody. Hi. My name is Cass. I'm Alex. And welcome back to Anime is for Jerks. This month, we are discussing Puella Magi Madoka Magica, directed by Akiyuki Shimbo and produced by Shaft. Uh, I would ask you, Alex, if you liked this show, but we we fucked up, dear reader. Uh, dear reader? Dear, dearest reader... Um, we already recorded this episode. This episode may possess a subtle, or possibly not so subtle, textural difference from every other episode that we've ever recorded, because we have already recorded this episode. We recorded four hours of discussion about Madoka Magica and and Madoka Magica Rebellion that was completely unusable because I was recording from the webcam mic in my laptop rather than from the uh from my my actual nice podcast microphone um so yeah so yeah if you if you notice any yeah um unusual mouth feel yeah uh, that's because our mouths this episode are... you will find i believe this episode <laughs> is perfectly homogenous with a texture not entirely unlike a force meat yes um so uh alex did you like this show i did. I it also like this show. It's bonkers. This show's it's great. great. It's a really, really, really good show, um, and that's that's why I we talked about it for four hours, and why I'm willing to go back and and talk about it again for another five hours. Um, <laughs> I anticipate that we will probably record for less time because we know what we're going to, what we want to say better this time. Hopefully I'm a, I'm a little delirious, but um, I'll, t- I'll try to uh, remember what I said last time. So, yeah, so this is a show. The first thing we need to cover in this show is, is the architecture of this show. The uh, architecture is important. Yeah. It's, it's like, this is just sort of a backdrop for everything that happens, but the architecture in the show is completely insane. Um, and so, like, th- the first thing that we see is we see Madoka's house, and she lives in this, like, bizarre Le Corbusier international-style, like, Villa Savoy kind of house, which has a bathroom that is literally the size of my entire actual apartment. And her mom. The very, the very, very first thing we see is oh, yeah. the Nissan's ass dreamscape, right? Yeah, but like, if you've played the 2013 game Nissan's, it is a uh, fantastic game when you're not cursing it out. But it also has some impossible architecture. I don't that. I don't think that the architecture in Nissan's is impossible. And I also like like the architecture in the apocalypse sequences is actually some of the most explicable in the show because at least it's supposed to look weird it's like it's supposed to look destroyed and weird whereas like madoka's house is like why is it like this and her mom her mom's bed is just like in the middle of their living room like a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh bed 
Gotta, gotta. It's part of the Yu-Gi-Oh extended universe. It's part of the Yu-Gi-Oh extended universe. Oh, so okay, interesting. So this is part of the Yu-Gi-Oh extended universe. But uh, Madoka's mother is Misato from uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. So that means by the transitive property. I don't think Madoka's mother is Misato. You said that last recording, and I I, I disagreed with you. But we've been recording for like two hours, so I I decided not to not to press. <laughs> but I'm pressing now. I think that's incorrect. I think she has her shit together way too much. She's she's Misato if she like got her shit together a little earlier and didn't go into war crimes. <laughs> instead, went to therapy. I don't. I think that that's a too fundamental a change to Misato's character. <laughs> You're just basically saying she's a woman who's older than the main character. No, I'm not. She looks like her. She she does when, not when look like her at all. When she's not in girl lost mode, she acts kind of like her. Uh, um, anyway. So, yeah, so this show is about a girl named uh, Kaname Madoka uh, who goes to school in a high-rise building that looks like like a community college built in the 70s on the inside, except, like, the roof has this, like, bizarre sort of, like, Edwardian, like, super detailed, ornamented, like fringe around the outside and, and yeah. then like the inside is like super modernist and like the rest of the city is just like kind of a normal city yeah the inside is like what they thought the future would look like in the 60s and the yeah. rooftop is like adolescence of utena yes uh it's it's some um, it's some um, wow i don't know how shit. any and like the whole thing about this is that the show like evidently takes place in, like, the Starship Future Times, where, like, they have desks that, like, come up out of the floor, and, like, their computer keyboard is, like, a holographic projection onto the desk, which sounds like it would suck ass. Um, yeah. So, Madoka, so, like, the first thing that we see is Madoka's dream, and she has this dream about the end of the world. Um, and she gets told by a magic alien cat that you know she has the power to change fate she can she can change what's happened here and all she has to do is become a magical girl and then she wakes up and she's like huh what a strange dream and then she goes to school and it becomes substantially stranger when the girl from her dream akimi homura uh shows up in her class as a transfer student um and she's weird she's 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 very uh she's very cool she knows a lot Black of stuff tights mean trouble and she um not only does she know a lot of stuff, like she's not just good at stuff. She seems to sort of eerily know what's going to happen ahead of ahead of what what actually happens. So she, uh, so like uh, one of the first things that Madoka does is she's like, "Oh, I have to take you to the doctor's office, to the nurse's office, so you know where it is." And then they walk through the hallways, but she seems to already know where the nurse's office is, which is strange because she's never been to this school before. She's uh, a transfer student, yeah. after all. Um, and then they go to uh, on their way to the nurse's office. Homura stops Madoka in the hallway and says to her, like, something along the lines of, like, if anybody ever tries to, like, get you to change who you are, don't do it. Um, yeah, and she, Madoka's she asks, like, like, okay. <laughs> she asks, like, do you, do you, like... Do you value your life, Madoka, is what she says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which sounds very ominous. Yeah. Uh, but, like, she clarifies... <laughs> In context, she means, yeah. like, your family, friends, the life you have. Yeah. And Madoka's like, yeah! And she's like, all right, then don't give it up for anything. 
Um, well, like, well, well, that's not ominous at all. So yeah. So Madoka then, uh, we meet her, we also meet her other friend, her best friend, Miki Sayaka. Uh, Sayaka! Who is a blue-haired ditz. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love her. She's amazing. Uh, and they, they go shopping together, they go to the mall, and they get, they they hear sort of some strange noises and find themselves in uh, a mysterious, magical labyrinth composed of Terry Gilliam-esque animation. Yeah, they take a wrong turn somewhere in the mall because they take a wrong Madoka... turn and wind up in Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> yeah, uh, Madoka hears some some voice going, "Madoka, help, 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 help!" And so yeah, she takes a wrong turn past the Claire's and ends up in uh, Monty Python. Yeah, she winds up in hell. Universe. <laughs> And so, the thing that calling out to her for help was the weird, freaky cat from her dream. Yes, and the cat is under attack by Homura. Of all people. Of all people. Um, and so Madoka goes to rescue this cat, and Homura doesn't want to hurt Madoka. Um, and then they they get saved by uh, a, another new character, Tomoe Mami. Uh, who shows up and she she has her magic is is 18th century long guns um, <laughs> and ribbons and ribbons and hair um, and so she's a magical girl and she defends them both from Homura and from this this creature that's attacking them which they learn is called a witch um, well she doesn't she doesn't actually fight Homura this time no no, she... no 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 but like her presence deters Homura yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah after she kills the witch. And she she shoes off Homura, but what is a witch cast? Tell me more. So yes, so Homura is like I am a magical girl, you know. Uh, I I'm a magical because I made a contract with this cat whose name is Kibe, uh, and uh, you can become magical girls too and fight witches with me, and that's what we do. Uh, mommy says this. Mommy says Homura. this. Uh, yeah, Homer does not explain this much. Um, so yeah, so that's basically the end of episode one. Is like we see mommy do all of this cool shit with with guns, and then Kube offers to uh, Madoka and Sayaka like, "Hey, you can become magical girls too." Um, so golly, what did what did, what an offer? So yeah, so episode two sort of like lays out like the, the rules in more detail, where basically Kube create makes contracts with girls to uh make them magical girls and they so they get to make one wish for anything that they want and in exchange uh they will become magical girls and fight witches um which seems at the time with the information that they have like a pretty sweet deal because it's kind of it, it, it it's basically like oh you get a wish and in exchange you also become magic um, <laughs> so and any wish as far as as far as Kube lets us know, this doesn't seem to be any restrictions. Yeah, there's no no restrictions on what wish. But we all know that when you're you're in fiction and a strange creature offers you a wish, you you gonna get genied. I often find myself in fiction. <laughs> uh so uh, what else happens in episode two? Um, oh yeah, so Kube also gives them the ability to communicate telepathically, and I think in episode do we meet, in either in episode one or oh. episode two we also meet their friend Hitomi. Oh yeah, because that's why I wrote gay in my notes, uh, because yeah, Kube can kind of 
telepathically communicate with them and can kind of serve as a little a little bridge so that they can talk to each other. And so they're walking to school with their normie pretty girlfriend Hitomi. Yes, she's a lot like and, uh, Wakaba from Revolutionary Girl Lutena. Yeah, a little bit, except uh less gay. Wakaba, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. He told me is 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 tragically emphasis on tragically straight. So so yeah, Sayaka and Madoka are are suddenly communicating telepathically, and like at one point, yeah, one of them wigs out and looks at looks at the other one. They look back at each other, and their eyes connect, and they have a little telepathic chit chat. And Tomi uh, is like something LGBTP is happening <laughs> uh, and she's like my god why didn't you tell me uh, this is this is this is outrageous I cannot believe uh, and because she's so straight it blows her little mind um, and off she goes now I, I, they for kinda, some reason they that, that reminded me of a Tumblr post that I really really love where somebody was talking about how like they were talking to a straight friend and, and she like said that something that she said was kind of homophobic and then she said oh I'm not homophobic my next door neighbors of lesbians that are lesbians and I went inside their house and I wasn't scared or anything <laughs> Yeah, so Tommy's psyching her up. The best part of that post is the first reply, which is, she entered the home of Phobia and wasn't even scared. <laughs> Incredible. I also, when you go back and edit this, you'll see I said LGBT in the wrong order. Um, a, little, a little Easter egg for you close listeners. Yeah. Uh, but the point, the, the funny thing is, they do a kind of a bait and switch here, because you're like, oh, Sayaka and Madoka um, are our little lesbians. How cute, how nice, how fun. But then, the very next episode, uh, we're gonna, we get some head stuff. Sayaka has a guy crush, and we're like, what the yes. fuck is this? You're queer baiting me, I want my money Wait, back. The other thing that we learned in episode two, the there's one more thing. No, no, I, oh. I, I, I know, I'm backing up. Oh. But, <laughs> but then, <laughs> later on down the road, Sayaka and Madoka both become extremely gay, just with other people. So all is well that ends well. Yeah, but it does it does spook you a little bit. But it's all part of the kind of subversion of various uh, tropes. Uh, but yeah, so a little a little foreshadowing there, and I just coughed. So yeah, that entire <laughs> section was basically unusable. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, so in episode two, they all we also learn one one final mechanic, which is that mommy defeats a witch and then gets a what's called a grief seed, which is this tiny little black egg looking thing um, that she uses to like recharge her magical powers. So magical girls have these things called soul gems that you know allow them to access their magical powers, and when they use magic, their soul gems get sort of tainted by suffering and 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 whatever and so they use these grief seeds to like absorb all of the despair that's that's creeped into their soul gems to recharge their magic um so in episode three um yeah we the very first thing that we see in episode three is sayaka going to visit this this dude named kiyosuke who is like a sort of very cartoonish idea of, like, the ideal boy. Like, he's, like, a violin <laughs> prodigy. And, like, fuck the violin. The violin is a garbage instrument from the trash. Cello all day, every day. Uh, 
this post made by the cello gang. This post made by cello gang. Um, I respect the viola more than the violin. Um, what? Um, is this where you get like a tragic monkey backstory where you like your parents were attacked by a violin? No, I just think that the violin is too high pitched. I, th- uh. I think it sounds bad, and I think that people. I think that the violin is like a lazy shorthand for like impressive classical music when it actually sucks, um, and... or it doesn't actually suck. It's just like not substantially better or more interesting than other instruments in the orchestra. It, you think it's over? I think it's substantially overrated. That's um, fair. And I, I always, I'm always here to root for the underdogs, which is why I'm, I'm a viola fan. <laughs> They're the, the the last the last vestiges of the alto clef. Gotta gotta hold it out. Um. Uh, so yeah, so Kyosuke is this. Uh, he he's like a violin prodigy, and he was in a car accident, like, and now he's like bedridden, and his hands are broken, so he can't play the violin anymore. Um. And but Sayaka has like a big crush on him and visits him all the time. Um. And brings him tunes to keep his spirits up yeah and so at this point like madoka and sayaka are talking with mimi a lot about like what they want their wish to be because they're they're like they're pretty sure that they want to become magical girls but they don't want to like waste their wish because they have the opportunity to think about it uh yeah if you if you yeah think it think ahead in advance kids because you never know when you're gonna find yourself in fiction yeah you never know you need to spend devote if you're if you're 30 years old and your friends aren't talking about what wish that they would say (laughs) if they were confronted with a genie in fiction you need to find yourself a new friend group buddy but yeah like i don't i i I think it's a pretty normal thing to consider the possibility of like constructing constructing the ideal wish um, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, you know, to try. I think it's a fun exercise to try to construct a wish, a, 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 an ironic twist-proof wish. Um, but apparently, neither Madoka nor Sayaka have ever engaged in this activity of attempting to construct an ironic twist-proof wish, um, which is why you should always be prepared. Um, frankly, if you're age ten and your friends aren't talking about uh, <laughs> what they would do if they met a genie to ensure that they they were not gotten by an ironic twist uh (laughs) you need to find a new friend group buddy um so uh sayaka like in the back of her mind like i at this point like knows that she would want to use her wish to save kiosuke but she thinks that that wish is kind of stupid or naive or like or or is worried about what other people would think of her if that's what she used her wish for you know and mommy like encourages her like hey you shouldn't just use your wish to like save somebody else or whatever like you should use your wish to do something like more significant like and she talks about how like she she met Kubei when she had just been in a car accident so she didn't really have time to think about her wish she needed to use her wish right then to ensure that she lived um Whereas, uh, you know, Sayaka and Madoka have time to think about their wish, so they can really guarantee you that, like, it's going to be something good. Um, I think Sayaka is less, it's it's not just, like, embarrassment, but also, like, she knows that she's kind of got ulterior motives. Like, she she does genuinely care about him. She's not just trying to smash, but, like, she knows that part of even if her like motivation is is overdetermined if you will even if her 
like selflessness would be enough for her to wish for him to be better. She she also wants him to like her. Yeah. And so there's that there's that sort of guilt and unease of um doing something good for someone else knowing that at least one of your motivations for that is selfish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they spend a bunch of time talking about this, um, and then they find a grief seed that's close to turning into a witch. Um, so, um, they go and get mommy, and then, the, you know, they go into the witch's labyrinth to go and fight the witch, and then Homura shows up, and it's like, hey, you shouldn't fight this witch, it's more powerful than what you're expecting, like, let me handle it so that you don't get hurt. Um, and mommy, mommy ties her up, and is like, shut up, be gone, fought. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Homer is like, this is not the time for BDSM. Um, so yeah, so and and we we learn that Madoka is like struggling to think of anything because she wants like she wants to be a magical girl. And, like that enough is like a satisfaction of her wish is that she wants to save people and she wants to help people. Um, and we get this. Yeah, like, this is. Whole, oh, whole conversation where, like, Mommy is, like, talking about how, like, she's been so lonely since she became a magical girl and she really wants them to join her. And, like, uh, you know, they talk about how, like, if you're not, like, if you haven't decided on a good wish by the time that we're done fighting this witch, like, you're just going to wish for, like, a, a nice big cake so that we can just <laughs> oh, move yeah. on. Yeah, becoming a magical girl for cake. Um, and, yeah, and this is part of Madoka's whole deal is that she is kind of selfless to a fault. Um, she cares deeply about kind of other people and like making sure other people aren't hurting. But she kind of, when she is focusing on helping other people, she completely ignores the idea that other people's interests and other people's like joys and pains are wrapped up, might be wrapped up with her Madoka's yeah. own self, and that, and so she often is willing to hurt herself in order to help other people, kind of ignoring that her own kind of self sacrifice can be painful to other people. Yeah, and so and so her not really having a wish uh, beyond helping other people is kind of part and parcel yeah. of that. A lot of the sort of like the core theme of this show is about like the relationship between selflessness and selfishness and how it's sort of not really obviously straightforward um, and how like somebody who s- seems to be or has convinced themselves that they're acting selflessly like Sayaka can actually be acting selfishly and somebody who's convinced themselves that they're acting selflessly like 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 Madoka is can actually be acting selfishly you know or like somebody who's convinced that they're acting selfishly like a character that will meet in a little bit can actually be acting more selflessly than, than they let on um you know, but like, uh, there, there, the, the, the worst way that I've seen this expressed, uh, <laughs> there's, there's an incredible, so this, this show was written by, uh, Gen Urobochi, who had also written, uh, a visual novel that I like called Sayano Uta, 
Um, and uh, he also wrote the light novel Fate Zero, and he'd written a bunch of other visual novels before writing this show, um, which, like, really, it really shows because this show has some, like, video game-ass mechanics. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it cares very deeply about kind of the the systems that it's set up and like yeah. how the magical girls work and it sometimes gets a little carried away explaining yeah. kind of how everything ties together yeah, the, the biggest flaw with this show is that it has all of these like very video game ad systems and it's intent on explaining them to us the audience as though it's that important that we know how they work um but yeah, uh, there's a, a a truly incredible and and s- pretty wildly disingenuous headline from the Anime News Network, which is Madoka Magica writer Urobochi compares plot to Al Qaeda, um, <laughs> and uh, this is linked on the the Wikipedia article. And the thing that he says specifically, they're talking about, um, like. You know, they're they're talking they're talking they're, they're talking about this sort of aspect of the story. Um, and and Urobuchi says, "I received your request to write a bloody story where magical girls appear and then drop out one by one. I paid attention to the aspects that are troubling or overlooked in the traditional magical girl genre. I've been thinking that magical girls who have acquired superhuman abilities will find themselves removed from the world, which would cause contradictions and reactions." And then he says later, "For example, Al Qaeda brought down the twin towers due to their self righteousness. Justice for some people is an evil for others. Good intentions, kindness, and." hope will not necessarily make people happy um and i think that yeah, like that that actually reminds me a lot of what something that madoka's mom says later mm. which is that uh um that doing the right thing all the time won't necessarily lead to a happy ending yeah uh, when this is when sayaka is kind of in what she thinks is the only kind of moral path ends up uh, becoming increasingly kind of destructive both to herself and to other people. Um, so yeah, so Mommy starts fighting this witch um, and it appears to be going well and then she dies. And it is uh, I was shocked. Yeah, it's really amazing. Like I can't, I couldn't they fucking killed her is like is like actually what I what I wrote in the in, in my notes because like and it, it it's done so well where like they don't sh- there's not like a, a million slow motion close ups or anything like that it's a wide shot and just like the witch just bites her head off and she falls over and then we get a reaction shot of Madoka and Sayaka but there's no time spent slowing down because like they still have to there's still this horrible monster in front of them and it's just like it really emphasizes the degree to which this is just like part of the world yeah this show does like at like crucial moments like this it does such an incredible job at not kind of overdoing it yeah it it refuses to kind of um like linger and get kind of overly like melodramatic or um it has the confidence in knowing that this will make an impact and knowing exactly kind of how to take your breath away uh and it does this later on which we'll talk about but um it's yeah it's unbelievably effective yeah it's it's really really good and like they do this like mommy is pitched as like a major character like she's she has a lot of screen time up to this point there's no real indication 
that she's going like, to die. Um, you know, she's, she's in like the opening. Yeah, she's, she's in the, the opening the sequence. Card. You know, like she's placed near the center of the frame in uh, on the title card. Like it's very much like trying to get you to think that she's going to be an important character, um, and she just dies. You know, and it's it, it's like it's an incredible moment of like when a show does something like that, it suddenly ratchets up the tension for every single subsequent scene and every single subsequent interaction because you do really believe that they kill anybody in this show at this point. You know, like, yeah. whenever anybody's in peril, it's suddenly... You're not like, just, like, watching the show, like, knowing that they're going to be okay because they could just kill anybody. Like, like there's no... Nobody is safe anymore, um, which is, is, is something that shows rarely pull off well, um, because like for the, for the sort of obvious reason that like you, when you're writing a show like this, you don't want to spend a lot of time designing and writing and showing a character that's just going to die. Like it feels like a waste of effort in a lot of ways. Um, especially kind of in a, like a, a I mean, I think what made it especially effective like watching it now in 2022 is that Madoka is so well known. Yeah. Like it kind of has the stature of like a big franchise, even though it's not exactly. And so going in, I didn't know a lot about yeah. it. And so it's like very few big franchise style shows will do that because like, they have external pressures to kind of keep the characters alive and yeah. make them kind of larger than the show itself. And they and do so, manage to weasel out of it a little bit later, which we'll talk about. Uh, uh, but like, but, uh, but yeah, like, but, but yeah, like, and partly because of my like lack of um, preconceptions going in. Yeah. It, 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 completely blindsided yeah. me i hadn't yeah, yeah i had i had no expectations of this show going in i had i knew that it was critically acclaimed i knew it was a magical girl show and i knew it was sort of like subversive and deconstructive and dark and stuff like that but that it like i i honestly went into this like i had avoided watching the show because i had assumed it was going to be bad entirely because so many people said it was good um you know and like it wasn't until i i actually saw like at least one person say that they they didn't like this show that i was like okay maybe it has a chance to be good because like that that's you can't make anything good if nobody hates your shit uh to be fair i've never met anyone who doesn't like bebop that is true i don't think i've ever heard anybody say anything bad about bebop but I, ex- I mean, I'm sure people have said bad things about Ava. Oh, yeah. so many people hate Ava. Other than the rebuilds, the rebuilds. No, so many, so many people like, hate the original show. Yeah, uh, I just don't. I'm not part of those those uh, those discourses. Um, you know, like lots and lots of people hate Ava. Um, you know, but yeah, like it's so it's so med- incredibly effective, and like from this moment, like the show does not back down from this level of emotional intensity. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's just the, yeah, it's 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 such a shift, and you know, like after this, like everything's gonna be different. Buckle the fuck up. Yeah. So Hamada uh, rescues them from the witch, uh, and then collects the grief seed and leaves. Um, and so then in episode four, Madoka is basically like, 
I don't want to become a magical girl. After seeing mommy die, like, I, now I know what it actually involves and what the risks are. I don't, I don't want to anymore, you know? There's nothing that I could wish for that would make that worth it for me. Um, and Cubase like, okay, all right, I'll back off. Um, and then Madoka has a conversation with, with Homura where they talk about like this as being the reality of like, like the fate that befalls all magical girls as, as Homura talks about it. Um, and she's like, you know, um, and, and Madoka is like, you know, I'm never going to forget her, you know, and cause Homura says something along the lines of like how mommy has like no like living family or whatever. So it's probably going to take mm-hmm. a while before anybody realizes that she's missing. Uh, and that's another thing that kind of makes that, seems so effective is that you mentioned that they kind of had that little kind of conversation right beforehand and uh where mommy says like oh if you haven't thought of what you want let's get get a cake etc um which is cute and all but like they also kind of mommy opens up about kind of the loneliness of like her life up until then and uh madoka promises to like be her friend and stay with her and like it's if if you kind of are in tune to like what might happen, there's kind of a warning there. Everything seems to be a little, yeah. a little too much on the up and it up. It might come across like, as we describe it as like it's sort of like childish and like very like naive and very happy sounding and like it's sort of obvious that the twist is coming. But like it honestly isn't. Like I was no. surprised by it. You know, and I've, you know, I've watched a lot of anime. Like I've watched a lot of, <laughs> I, I, you know, I like I'm not, I'm not, I'm no idiot. I I I know what I know what a story twist looks like, but it really was not obvious when I was watching it, like how it was going to be, because like I knew that it was going to become dark at some point, but I didn't know how long it was going to wait to become dark. Like I didn't know if it was going to be like a yeah. halfway point thing, or like a two thirds thing, you and, know. And, and they kind of they kind of keep mommy around long enough, yeah, that you like she feels like she's one of the gang, yeah. And, and then, yeah, then she has this, like, really heartfelt conversation with Bidoka where she finally feels like, like, it's, she, I think she, this might be when she finally doesn't regret becoming a magical girl. Yeah. Uh, because she finally has people to kind of share her life with. Yeah. And I think, I think a big part of, like, how, why that show is effective, like, we talked about how Mommy's in, like, the opening sequence. And, like, the opening sequence is really, really effective at setting the tone for a show that is not this one. Um, you know, and I mean that like as a real compliment. Like it feels like an opening yeah, sequence for a yeah. totally different show. Like it's it's up. It's a it's a lighthearted bop. Yeah, and uh, like the I'm, way that it, it features a number of characters from the show, but in wildly different contexts than you actually see them. And so it feels yeah. and so like and it just like as the show goes on, the like upbeatness of the opening becomes more and more like sort of twisted and ironic as it like deviates further and further from the actual tone of the show. That's Ludo narrative dissonance. <laughs> um, so, uh, in episode four, so yeah, so Madoka is talking about how, like, you know, Homer is talking about how, like, people are just going to forget mommy, like, she didn't really have any family or anything like that. Madoka says that she's not going to forget mommy, and she's not going to forget Homer for saving them. And Homer, this is, like, sort of like, the first time we we see a little bit of, like, we're, we're getting this sense of, like, Homer of like who Homura is because she's been presented as this very mysterious character and her motivations are extremely unclear. Like she might be an antagonist. She might secretly be the protagonist. Like, um, and she warns Madoka like, Hey, 
you know, you can be too kind. Like your kindness and your your desire to help others is going to be used against you. It's it, there's such a thing as as being too nice. Um, so then we see Sayaka visiting with Kyosuke, and uh, you know they're listening to violin music together. You know, like teenagers do. Um, <laughs> and. Um, uh, Kyosuke is like, why Why are you trying to torture me by making me listen to this music? I don't want to listen to music if I can't play it anymore. It just reminds me that I can't play it. And he, you know, he has a bit of a fit and he smashes the CD. Um, and Sayaka is really upset by this. And so she, because she, like, Madoka was, like, scared enough by Mommy's death to not want to be a magical girl. And they have this conversation with Kyube together where they both agree to not become magical girls. But Sayaka oh, is yeah. not sold on that idea. Like, you know, like, she's, she's, because she has this very clear thing that she wants out of a wish that she can't get any other way. So she decides yeah. to become a magical girl. Um, and we find this out, like, it, it's sort of like, you know, she's like seeing this scene with, with Kyosuke and then we see Kyube in the background and then it cuts to Madoka, um, running into Hitomi, um, who is like clearly, clearly not normal, uh, and who has joined some sort of cult dedicated to mixing together bleach and ammonia, um, <laughs> where they like go out to a, <laughs> they go out to like a warehouse in like the, on like the docks and they mix together bleach and ammonia and they all die. Um, and Madoka has a, like follows her out there cause she's like, something's not right. And then they go in there and then she sees them doing this. And then she has a flashback to her mom being like, don't ever mix these two things together. <laughs> Something bad will happen. And Madoka's like, you can't do that. And she throws it out the window. Um, yeah, Mad- Madoka's mom is she taught her everything she needs to know yeah she rules um and um so madoka like like locks herself in the closet as all the like members of this this bleach and ammonia cult this like weird mustard gas cult um start beating on the door and trying to trying to catch her um and then sayaka shows up and rescues her with her magical girl powers um Uh and madoka is like hey i thought we talked about this I like thought we had. I thought we had. I thought we'd come to an we understanding. Had a, we had a pack, Jerry. <laughs> I thought we'd. Uh, I thought- and it's funny, like yeah. like something that kind of um, like might strike you is that we talked about how Madoka is so self-sacrificing and whatever, uh, and like on first blush, it's weird that she is the one who is scared off from becoming a magical girl by like the danger. Uh, and I think it's it's less kind of the danger to herself yeah. than kind of the obvious kind of suffering that uh, mommy's death caused in others. Yeah, she doesn't like, want to make like, anybody else feel like she felt when mommy died. Yeah, and this this is kind of <laughs> I think one of the most one maybe not the only one of the kind of most pronounced instances of her kind of actually kind of taking seriously kind of her own pain. Yeah. Uh, when she dis- when she when she talks about mommy's death, she, I think she largely describes it in terms of how it affected other people, like yeah. uh, Sayaka and Homura. But also, kind of, she think. But when she's imagining what were she to become a magical girl. Even if indirectly, she is imagining the pain that her 
death would bring yeah. to others. And this is like, and that's something that she often fails to do. So it's interesting that she manages to, like, not overlook it. I think that this is this is like this sort of moment. like the central driver of her internal conflict is that like her morality does not have a way out of this situation because she can't figure out how to construct a situation in which nobody is getting hurt because if she becomes a magical yeah. girl then she puts other people at risk of losing her and she's she, you know she's hurting other people by putting her own life at risk but if she doesn't become a magical girl then there are people out there whose lives are in danger who she can't save yeah you know so like she she has this sort of intense conflict where she can't it's unresolvable in her moral framework well, we'll see how she resolves it. We'll see how she end. resolves it, yeah. Um, but, like, in, in like, what she understands, like, she just doesn't... She can't f- figure out how to resolve it. Um, so, yeah. So, we also, at the end of this episode, uh, meet Sakura Kyoko, um, who uh, arrives at, at, uh, at the city and is like, I heard that the magical girl who was here is dead... You know, it's a great, great... T- I'm, I'm, I'm taking over this turf. I'm taking over this turf, and Cuba is like, oh, well, actually, I just made a, a contract with another magical girl in the city now, and she's like, I don't care about that. Like, I'm not going to leave a city this great to some some newbie, you know? Uh, I'm going to go kick her ass. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Kyoko is great. Um, she's, like a ba- she's like a dinky Asuka who yeah. is always eating. Yeah, and she has, she has cute little fangs. Yeah! Yeah. Um, so yeah, so episode five, let's see, um, is where, like, basically Madoka and Homura are, like, Madoka is, like, really worried about the fact that Sayaka has become a magical girl, and he, and she's very worried that she's gonna lose her, her, her best friend, um, and Homura's basically, you already did, get over it. Yeah, Homura is like, well, fuck, uh, okay, uh, like, you need to give up on, on Sayaka, um, and 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 there's nothing that you can do to save her. Um, and so yeah, she basically she basically kind of presents it as like a a transition from which there is no kind of going back. It's kind of this. Um, once you become a magical girl, you just you're cut off from a normal life, um, absolutely, and without any kind of hope of normalcy yeah uh and then uh so yeah so madoka has been like joining sayaka on hunts because it sort of makes her feel better even though to be there even though she can't actually help in any way uh, and they're they're going off and they they find a witch and they start fighting it and then they get stopped by kyoko who's like hey that's not a witch that's a witch's familiar you need to let it kill three or four more people and turn it into a witch but, uh, <laughs> otherwise it won't drop a grief seed um, yeah. and so I guess, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and, uh, and they get into, into a huge fight, um, and Madoka, at, at this point, like, um, is, is talking with Kyubei, and Kyubei's like, you know, if you wish to become a magical girl, you could stop this, because this is where Kyubei starts, like, telling Madoka that, like, if she were to become a magical girl, she would be, like, the most powerful magical girl to ever exist. Yeah. Um... And so, and so every time he gets a chance, he, he kind of drops extremely unsubtle suggestions, like, you know how you get out of this jam? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> 
You become a magical girl. Uh, but at the last possible second, before Madoka can can become a magical girl, Homura shows up and saves and rescues Sayaka, in a certain sense, uh, by by knocking her unconscious and telling Kyoko to fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, and Homura is like, you know, Madoka, you can't, don't get involved. You need to give up on Sayaka. Uh, and Kubei also talks to Sayaka about this because Sayaka is talking about how like she, you know. How how are some she she's asking me like Kubei like are some magical girls like more talented than other magical girls and Kubei's like there are some but there are also things that you can do to become more powerful you're just inexperienced you know like uh but like some magical girls are definitely more innately powerful than others like Madoka for instance is uh, incredibly powerful inherently like she would be so much more powerful than any of you uh if she were to become uh if she were to become a magical girl. <laughs> It's like, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't, I, I, I don't know why I asked. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah. He, um, after the fight, uh, she's like, what if you fight again? And he's like, well, um, like, because you, your wish was that Kyosuke yeah. heal, your, your magic is kind of centered around healing. And so you can recover from getting your ass kicked a lot faster than other people. Uh, that can be kind of um, augmented by, uh, in a sense, alienating yourself from your soul. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't describe it like that, yeah. but that's the that's the effect. And you can you can kind of reduce your ability to feel pain. And then he says, "I uh, don't recommend that." <laughs> <laughs> wink wink uh, um, it, it it's great you can't feel pain i don't recommend it but you know you know something to keep it's in mind. an option it's available to you um so yeah so uh so yeah and then we we also hear like homura and kyoko are talking about something called the valpergisnacht valpergisnacht uh which is is going to be approaching in in two weeks um and kyoko uh like is like you know, they, they basically agree that, like, they can't defeat it separately, so they agree to form an alliance specifically to, to fight against it. Um, and Madoka is, at this point, trying to convince Sayaka, because she tried to convince Homura to be friends with Sayaka, and uh, Homura is like, no, I'm not going to do that because she, she's beyond saving. Um, and then, so, Madoka goes to Sayaka and tries to get Sayaka to become friends with Homura. And Sayaka, at this point, is convinced, becomes, like, sort of increasingly convinced that Kyoko and Sayaka are both, like, selfish and immoral and that she doesn't want to be associated with them. Like, she, she's heard what Kyoko said about this stuff and she's, uh, convinced herself that Homura like intentionally let mommy die in order to collect the grief seed. Um, yeah. So in her like in in her initially kind of justified self righteousness uh, because like both Homura and Kyoko do act like assholes. Yeah. Uh, but like she ends up becoming increasingly kind of paranoid. Yeah about about the about the, the two of them yeah and like when she became a magical girl, she had this very idealistic idea about magical girls like working together to save the world from evil and then yeah. she has come to realize that there are magical girls out there who don't who aren't interested in protecting people they're only interested in personal gain and this is very distressing to her and so she is is pr prone to to black and white thinking and has decided therefore that other magical girls are bullshit 
Um, <laughs> and that she's yeah. the only good magical girl and that she's going to protect people even if other magical girls don't want to and she's not going to do it for herself. She's going to do it for other people. Um, and so then naturally this this leads... Um, uh, this leads to Sayaka and Kyoko having having a conflict where Sayaka's like out on a witch hunt and then they meet up on this highway overpass. Um, and, you know, they're about to start fighting and then Madoka shows up and grabs Sayaka's soul gem and throws it off the overpass. Yeah, so up, leading up to this, uh, Madoka and Sayaka had had a, like a minor argument after, after Madoka asked her to be friends with uh, Homura and Kyoko and uh, Sayaka at the time is like Kyoko literally wants people to die in order for her to like get a grief seed uh, like at the at this stage Sayaka is kind of like what she's saying is more or less correct it's like yeah but um, but kind of it it ends up she ends up going somewhere a little woozy with it but uh Madoka talks with her mother afterwards, and this is when her mother says, you can't expect a happy ending just by doing what's right all the time. Yeah. And uh, gives Madoka kind of a, a funny bit of advice, basically kind of, like, make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, or, like, and, when you and, have a friend who's in a situation like this, you can't get them out of that, out of it by just telling them to do the right thing, or by doing the right thing yourself. Like, you need to make a mistake on basically on purpose in order to like get her out of this situation um she also says in this conversation that being an adult is hard and that's why they let you drink because <laughs> she it, the important thing to note is that this conversation is happening at like i think like two in the morning and madoka comes out of bed unable to sleep and sits down and her mom is sitting alone at the table having a glass of whiskey <laughs> yeah um <laughs> And then Madoka's like, I can't wait to grow up and drink with you, Mom. Um, see, but anyway, so yeah, her mistake ends up, yeah, her grabbing Sayaka's soul gem and yeeting it the fuck off the overpass. Yeah, and then this is where we learn that uh, part of the Magical Girl contract is that your soul gets put into that egg and then it's no longer in your body anymore. And Kyube, like, explains this very sort of clinically, um, where he's like, you know, I couldn't just ask you to fight, you know, something as dangerous as a witch with your, like, regular fleshy human body, you know, so I put your soul in this much easier and more convenient form factor, an egg. Um, <laughs> and All what? Because, yeah, he, he, he has to explain it. Because when Madoka throws off the overhead, it lands in the bed of a truck. And drives away. Which drives off, and your soul cannot be apart from your body. By more than uh, about 100 meters. And so Sayaka dies. Yes, her body no longer has a soul connected to it, and so it, they're just holding her corpse, and everybody's freaking the fuck out. Uh, and Kyube's explaining. And like... Kiba's like, what's the big deal? And seems like a seems like a win win from where I'm standing. Yeah, and like this is it's one of the situations where like they do they do a really really good job of selling the emotion, and I believe that this is a big deal for all of these characters, but it lacks a sort of like visceral punch for me because I don't find the idea of my soul being in an egg scary. 
<laughs> like, like I, like I, I am on the side of Cube here. I wish my soul was in an egg. You know, <laughs> like that would be. It would be very this, much this, more convenient. This post made by the egg gang. This post made by Soul Egg Gang. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think part of it is just that neither of us ha- are that kind of religious. Yeah. Where we have a strong conception of a soul. I don't even think that it's it's necessarily real. I, like. It's part of, like, I am curious if this is a cultural thing and, like, that concept of, like, your soul being in an egg instead of in your body would be expected to be more scary to a Japanese audience than it is to me, a person who doesn't believe that souls exist. Um, But simultaneously, like, it still, like, lacks this sort of, like, visceral sort of horror that it clearly wants or that would really improve it. And I don't think it's that big of a problem because it really does work metaphorically because so much of what they're talking about here is that like, you know, um, is, is the way like, um, what I was thinking about is that like magical girl shows are a lot like mecha shows in that they're mostly about growing up. Um, you know, like when you become a magical girl, like you become, you know, like in Sailor Moon, for for instance, like the magical girl forms of the Sailor Scouts look more adult than their, than their regular forms. And it's this sort of metaphor for being an adolescent and being between being an adult with adult responsibilities and still being a child. Um, you know, and like, and that's what being a magical girl is. And Madoka is interested in, in a sort of perspective on that. That's like growing uh, an idea of like growing up too fast fast or being forced to grow up too fast as a result of like yeah. trauma like Kyube specifically seeks out girls who might need his wishes he talks about this in some in some situations and like refers obliquely to the notion that he's looking for girls who need his wishes um and that as sort of being like which mean what what he means is that like he's looking for girls who are experiencing like emotional trauma that they might want an escape from and the escape from that is by growing up too fast but um, you know, and, and in that way, they grow up and then they become disconnected from their peers and from themselves, you know, like there's a lot of language, especially around Sayaka that talks a lot about like disassociation as a response to trauma, which we can, t- we'll talk about a little bit more, um, in a future episode, but like, you know, it feels, it really works on that level as like, these yeah, girls yeah. are growing up and they're, they're, they're growing up in a way that, like, disconnects them from themselves, from their friends, from their environment. Like, you know, like, what that, what Urobochi said about it was, uh, in that, in that Al-Qaeda quote, <laughs> was that, like, magical girls who have acquired superhuman abilities will find themselves removed from the world. Um, you know, and I think that that, that is an interesting notion. And I just, I wish that they had talked, that they, they, they found a way to talk about it in, terms that were less that were that were a little scarier on a visceral level um yeah but uh overall i think i think it does work because like they they the writing and the acting and and the animation like sells the emotion of this scene so so well oh, for sure um so homura goes uh onto the it catches up with the truck and retrieves sayaka's sayaka's egg yeah, she does this weird little, like, zoop-zoop, where she seems to kind of, like, warp forward. Yeah. And uh, we learn how she's doing that later. All of her kind of powers have been a little mysterious. Like, like, the, like all of her, her whole deal has been kind of shrouded in mystery. Uh, and it does, the show does a good job kind of parceling out bits of her 
that eventually in retrospect all makes sense once we learn kind of what her magic is like Sayaka's healing magic we'll, we're going to learn uh, what Homura's magic is based in and kind of all her all her bits and pieces eventually kind of click together yeah. um, and it, it's very like satisfying and very like sort of narrative in a very in a it's it's very satisfying in like a like a beautifully constructed tapestry of narrative kind of way when it all finally clicks. Um, so yeah, so they rescue her her soul egg, um, and then what happens after that in this episode? Yeah, in our next episode, uh, Sayaka has a big argument with Kube, um, about this soul gem stuff. This is actually where where Kyubei explains to Sayaka that she can like disconnect from her soul gem and not feel pain. This it's in this oh, conversation right. she's like, "Do you know why you were able to have that fight with Kyoko and then like inflicts like the injury of a spear wound on her by touching her soul gem?" And then it's like, "Oh yeah." And then it's like that is what you would you would have been hit once and then you would have died if you if if the, if it weren't for the soul gem. Like um you know, and then he, and then he's like, you know, you can fully disconnect. You know, over time, you can learn to fully disconnect yourself from the soul gem. But I don't recommend that. Um, and then uh, Sayaka is very upset because she's just learned that her soul was not in her body, so she takes a day off from school. Um, and understandable. Yeah, understandable. Kyoko then shows up at her house and is like, "Hey, uh, I want to talk to you. You know, you can't just like lie around in bed all the time." Uh, and so they go at, watch me, watch me. Uh, and so then they go to, uh, this old burned down church, um, where Kyoko explains why she became a magical girl. Um, and Kyoko talks, Kyoko talks about how she was, her dad was a priest and he decided, uh, to start, to start preaching things that were not in the Bible, um, and he basically started a cult and got excommunicated, but, uh, it was a good cult, her dad was go- a good person, I promise, um, and so she wanted people to listen to him, but, uh, you know, people kept leaving the church, and, like, you know, they, they were destitute, um, uh, because her dad just was, was preaching, was preaching the gospel of, I don't know, communism? I don't know. Oh, dad. The gospel of dad. <laughs> the gospel according to dad. Um, and you might be thinking, why is Kyoko all of a sudden buddy-buddy? And uh, none of them knew this whole soul gem business. Yeah. So everyone's, everyone kind of in their shock is, it's sort of, it's sort of, it's sort of a ceasefire. I think Homura knew, and they're all, but I don't think anybody else knew. Oh, yeah, Homura might have do And they're all kind of reassessing uh, their allegiances here. Yeah. Um, and so Kyoko says that, like, she was tired of seeing her dad suffer like this, and so she met Kyubei, and she just had to become a magical girl, so that he, and, and wished that her, people would listen to her dad, which is, uh, an even sadder wish than wishing that a boy that you liked could play the violin again. Um, <laughs> yeah. What happened to the marketplace of ideas, Kyoko? Yeah, what happened to the marketplace of ideas? Your dad's just an idiot. <laughs> Tell him to get a blog. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and she, so she becomes a magical girl, and she starts fighting, and things go really, really well, and the church membership grows exponentially, and then her dad finds out that she used magic to make all of these people show up, and he denounces her as a witch, and then he kills himself and his wife and her brother, and she's the only one left, uh, and, and burns down the church. Um, and so then she, she comes to the conclusion that the reason that this happened is because she used magic to help somebody else instead of herself. And so she decides to never, um, 
uh, she she decides to never use magic to help other people. She only wants to help herself, and she sees <laughs> Sayaka as as making this same mistake, as thinking that you can use the magical girl magic to help other people. And she's like, you know, you keep making this mistake, and I don't want you to keep making it because I stopped making it a long time ago. And Sayaka's like, listen, I hear you, but I don't think that what I'm doing is a mistake, and I think. That I don't, I don't think that you're right. You know, I don't think that your interpret. I don't. I, I somehow I feel like your interpretation <laughs> of events, where you've come to the conclusion that helping people is wrong because your insane dad tried to start a cult, uh, has some holes in it. Um, Look, she, she, she may have missed a few steps in her inductive reasoning, but. Uh, yeah, you have done. Can, can you blame you her? You have done the base she case. She was homeschooled by. Yeah, <laughs> she was homeschooled by a, a cult. Yeah, maker. she was homeschooled by a Scientologist. So I, I can, I can forgive her for not understanding that you can't just have a base case. You also have to follow through with the inductive step. Um. So yeah, Sayaka and and Kyoko gets like really pissed off that Sayaka won't uh listen to her. Um. And and Sayaka's like, I'm going to keep trying to help people um um and 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 really drives the knife in with if you're so selfish and uncaring why are you trying to help me huh? yeah and kyoko, and kyoko yeah. eats some angry apples yeah, over she's, that one. she's chomping on those apples so angrily um and yeah, we also have a conversation with Madoka and Kube, where Madoka's like, "Why are you? Why did you deceive these people? Why did you lie about this, the the this contract or the contents of the contract or the nature of the deal?" And Kube was like, "I didn't lie. You just never asked, which is <laughs> fair, but is the last refuge of the scoundrel." <laughs> I mean, Kube is nothing if not a scoundrel, uh, um, but. Yeah, so this is where we start to kind of get the slightly overdone characterization of Kube. Yeah. Um, like, his deal is that um, he is, like, technically a sociopath. Like, his the, the cats of his ilk do not understand human emotion. And uh, he offered a normal uh exchange and is it is it his fault that he did not understand that things they valued were uh implicit in some of the consequences of the deal no he gave the information and they made a choice but uh yeah so uh as it goes on like his his kind of characterization as the um as the oh he he's so alien he doesn't understand emotion he's he's so uncaring gets a little heavy-handed and it's definitely like it it, he keeps hammering this home and the more that i think about it especially in this sequence it seems sort of obvious that it's to some degree a front that he's putting on like he's he's like he obviously he's been doing this a long time like he's not incapable of understanding human values he must understand that this is upsetting to people um and he could choose to say it but has learned that giving that detail causes people to not want to make the contract um you know so like and it's like this is why we put things in writing you know this is why you write up all of the stipulations 
and you don't just wait, you know, when you sign a contract in real life, you know, you get to read the whole contract and you're bound by what's in the contract rather than you sitting down with your opponent's lawyers and them being like, all right, if you have any questions about what's in the contract, try to use deductive reasoning to come to a conclusion of what might be contained within. I will answer. I am legally obligated to answer any question, but I will not volunteer any information. Um, but yeah. Well, look, it, it's it's more just that the contract was uh, extremely vague. Yeah. He said he, he would turn you into a magical girl. He did not stipulate what that entailed. Yeah. Uh, he did not define. This is uh, why contracts for the include of definitions. This contract. What is a magical girl, and what is the process of becoming? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we also learned that Hitomi is also in love with Kiyosuke, um, and basically they, they talk, she, she calls Sayaka into a meeting in the lunchroom and is like, listen, I am also into Kiyosuke. You have 24 hours to say something to him or you forfeit your right to, to, to the, to Kyosuke. And, and Sakura, Say, Sakura, Sayaka is, um, really torn up about this because she's still into Kyosuke, but she's now so disconnected from her peers and so disconnected from her surroundings that she feels no longer able to connect to him. And she feels like she, like she's like such a freak now that she couldn't possibly. Yeah. She's disconnected from herself too. Yeah. She's so much, uh, she feels like such a freak now that she can't possibly, uh, you know, in good faith, ask Kiyosuke out, um, you know, and like the other thing is like she wanted to rescue him because she wanted to do something good for him. And like these are her sort of selfish motivations coming coming back to bite her because now she's like, well, I can't actually tell him that I'm the reason he can play violin now because you can't just go up to somebody and say, oh, by the way, I sacrificed my soul so that you can play violin again. Please date me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah um, but yeah she's she's talking to Madoka at one point she's like how could I ask him to hold my cold body and kiss these kiss these dead lips yeah um, which is very dramatic and, and, and silly but it's also um, very much what a teenager yeah. would uh, think and we mentioned before how kind of on a metaphorical level the solo gem works as a kind of um in the sense of like alienating you from both kind of your yourself and other people and it kind of uh is extra effective for like her as like a adolescent girl who going through puberty and dealing with a misogynistic society that has all sorts of ideas about young girls bodies would has it it plays into that sort of um sense of disconnect from one's own body this show has for a show written by a 30 something year old man uh it has an astonishing amount of sort of perceptiveness and empathy about the way that like teenage girls feel about themselves and their relationships to other people and it's it's honestly it's not impressive because it's the bare minimum, but also mm-hmm. like it's above and beyond what most anime writers or most men in general are capable of. So like good on yeah. you, Gen Urobochi. Um you have surpassed <laughs> the standards of ninety percent of your gender. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and kind of on the subject of, of the kind of insight into kind of teenage girls, like interior lives, um, in our previous lost yes. episode of this show, uh, you do a comparison between kind of uh, Madoka's kind of internal life and how she is very kind of kind of erases herself and thinks about others and their pain and discounts her own and is kind of um, empathetic to almost a self-destructive degree and how in her, in, in a sense she's kind of the mirror of Shinji yeah. from Yeah, Valley. I was talking about how like both Shinji and Madoka have to a certain degree very low self-esteem and that manifests in very different ways that I think is very prototypical like Shinji's manifestation of that kind of low self-esteem is very prototypical of how it tends to manifest in teenage boys and Madoka's is very uh prototypical of how it tends to manifest in teenage girls where like Shinji feels owed something especially in end of Ava um even more so than in the end of the show but especially in end of Ava like when he has that conversation with with Asuka um after the after the third impact where he's like you know he's like talking about how like he needs her to love him and like she's the only one who cares about him and she's like no i'm not i'm just the only person who's left who's willing to put up with your shit i'm like i like i am you don't care about me specifically anybody's anybody will do um you know i'm just the one in closest proximity to you right now um and like that is and and like his his way of relating to the world where he's both like the scum of the earth and he he sees himself as worthless but he also um and and that like prevents him from caring about other people uh because they don't care about him and it's a sort of like vicious like downward spiral cycle uh and like madoka has this this way of thinking about her relationship to other people that i think is really common in women where she sees other people as like more valuable than herself and like she her way of loving other people she's in she's to a certain extent incapable of conceptualizing that she loves other people and they also love her back um and like that her um like that she she loves other people and she wants to do things for them but she doesn't understand that like uh her selflessness in that sense is hurting other people and she also doesn't understand that like she deserves love and care from other people um you know she sees herself as being sort of a burden on on everybody i talked about in in the last episode i talked about how uh i've been posting a little bit about how i i i have finally understood tiktok um and so i've been been looking at tiktok occasionally and i got a little while ago sucked into straight woman tiktok um and and how it was just the bleakest shit i've ever seen um where like all of these like straight women were like talking about like their just awful experiences dating men and like and like the way and, and this specific dynamic that they had of like all, uh, of like caring about this person and just wanting them to care about them even a little bit or re- or like realizing that they had never considered that like their needs were in any way valuable and that like when they felt like they were being neglected or when they felt like they weren't getting the attention from their partners that they deserved they thought of that as being selfish um you know and like 
seeing that and then like, watching this show, like, I see a lot of that reflected in the characterization and, like, all of the characters on this show. Like, all of their, but especially Madoka and Sayaka and, like, their relationship to the people that they care about. Um, and seeing that sort of pattern, yeah. um, you know, and, and it struck me as unusually perceptive, um, you know, when, when, when I was watching this. Um, and that's that's sort of where a lot of this stuff like come comes to bear. So at the end of this episode, Sayaka like goes out to fight a witch, um, and um, yeah, so she goes she goes out to fight a witch, and then like Homura and Kyoko show up to also fight the same witch, and they try to help her, but she like she's like I don't need your help, um, and she she starts fighting this witch, and she decides to like she like fully dissociates from her soul, um. You know, and she says, she says, I don't have my screenshots on this computer anymore. Uh, but she says something along the lines of like, you know, uh, as long, you know, as long as you just disconnect, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt at all. Um, where is, I know I have it. Yeah. Oh yeah. She says, if I, if I just detach myself, it doesn't hurt at all. Um, you know, while she's fighting and like this whole scene is like visually incredible. Like it's, it's got this like really like sort of paper cutout kind of look um and like uh oh yeah it's like pure silhouette. yeah it's like a lot of silhouettes and there's just like so like what you see is like sayaka's like blue in the background and then like her silhouette and then like the witch's silhouette and then just like red blood spraying out of the witch as she like hacks and slashes at it with her sword and just like completely disconnects from everything um and it reminded me of the scene in eva where unit 01 goes berserk you know yeah. but like it reminded me of that of that sequence and that it was the same it's like a very similar sort of composition in that it's like sort of like lateral like silhouetted and just like blood and guts everywhere um yeah so yeah so this yeah this had been kind of um precipitated by madoka and saika having another argument where um Madoka had kind of seen Sayaka becoming increasingly, like, dangerous, yeah. uh, broadly speaking. And she tries to get her to kind of reel it in and says something along the lines of, you shouldn't be hurting yourself just because you can't feel it. Yeah. Um, which you are, oh, no, she's not talking about her physical body anymore. Um, and so. That, that and happens because, after this. That's in the next episode. Wait, are we on which episode? We are just we on? talked about the episode where Sayaka uh uh has the let's see. Uh we're talking we were talking about episode 7. Is at the end of episode 7 where uh Sayaka fights the witch and detaches from reality and then right in then Oh, I thought oh, I thought that was episode 8. No. Uh I'm looking at the plot synopsis right now. Uh Okay. So yeah, and then Oh, right, right, right. I yeah. had the yeah, I, I I was thinking this was when she turned into a witch. But no, that's no, 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 that's much later. Uh, well, that's the next episode. But, um, uh, but yeah, so like, uh, so at the beginning of episode eight, Sayaka, like, she defeats the witch and she refuses to take the grief seed because she wants to give it up to, um, uh, and she gives it to, to Kyoko, uh, and is like, now we're even. Like, I don't want to owe you anything anymore, and I'm not doing this for my own personal gain, unlike you. Um, you know, she sees, you know, it's just the other way in which she's like being self-sacrificing to the point of self-destruction. Um, and, 
Madoka, you know, is it like they're they're waiting for the bus in the rain, and Sayaka, like, you know, goes off about how, like, you know, I am. She she describes herself as like being, you know, only good for fighting witches anymore. Like she's worthless, and she doesn't, you know, and she's like, you know, you don't understand what it's like, Madoka, and and is like. Um, if you wanted to really help me, you would become a magical girl and fight these witches, but you won't do that. You can't give up your humanity out of pity. Um, yeah, so this is where everything comes to a head. She's feeling resentful of Madoka for just staying on the sidelines while she is, like, tearing herself apart. She, this is when Hitomi basically stole her boyfriend. Uh, and so she, yeah, so she lashes out at Madoka and then books yeah it. and then she's crying as she books uh, and she's like how could i say that to her um and um uh, and meanwhile kube once again is slinky slinking up to madoka being like have you tried becoming uh, a magical girl and so and so yeah madoka is despairing once again of this kind of path sayaka has gone down and then kube talks about oh because yeah because sayaka says like kube told me you'd be the most powerful magical girl but you're doing you're just sitting here doing shit uh, before she runs off, and Madoka's like, Kube, is that right? Could I be p- really powerful? And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh sure, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and she's like, even powerful enough to um, turn Sayaka back into a normal girl? And he's like, probably, yeah. And so so she's once again on the verge of taking the deal yeah. and becoming a magical girl when in, in another beautifully kind of paced and uh composed sequence yeah. Ho- oh, homura fucking turns cuba into swiss cheese yeah homura appears out of nowhere and fu- and fills him full of yeah lead. it's incredible uh, it's- um just before this we also see i think this is the first scene where we see we see homura and kyoko talking about the valpregisnacht and we see the inside of homura's apartment for the first time <laughs> And this is this is very important to discuss because it it continues so like Madoka lives in this like weird international style like modernist house with an enormous bathroom for some reason and then like uh, Mimi lived in like a, a pretty normal apartment that admittedly looked sort of out of the price range of a fifteen year old um, and then I don't think we ever s- no we see Sayaka's room but we don't really see what her house looks like. Um, yeah, she's it's an apartment yeah. complex because Madoka often waits oh, yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she lives in like a pretty normal high-rise apartment complex. Um, and then Homura, we see the outside of it a little later when Madoka goes to visit her in like episode. I think that's like episode ten, um, and or maybe eleven. Um, and, but like, and so like the outside of Homura's apartment, she lives in this like Victorian, like British style, like row house. Um, and then you go inside and inside is nothing. Uh, it's, it's a white (laughs) void with like a modernist sofa in the middle and the silhouette of a constantly swinging axe in the background. (laughs) It's Occam's Razor. Well, it reminded Uh, me less of Occam's Razor and more of the pit and the pendulum. Maybe. Uh, And then she has this floating, like, mood board. board (laughs) Well, it's it's like, like it's like the meme of... It's like the meme of the of the conspiracy. Oh yeah, board. yeah, yeah. It's it's her uh, Pepe Sylvia board. Yeah, and that's all. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> just like floating like news articles <laughs> about the Valpergisnacht. Um, and so yeah, so this is this is the co- sort of person who just shot Cuba. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and it, it really is. It it. <laughs> 
it, 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 her apartment has like the same energy as that uh, that picture of the TV on the floor with Bloodborne on it and just the chair in front of it. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, she, she shoots Kube and then Homura. Uh, I forget what they what like what they talk about here. So, well, so Madoka gets like, what the fuck? And then Homura, this is kind of the first time we really see emotion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, for God's sake, please, please, please don't become magical girl. And she kind of, she kind of falls on her knees and starts crying and is like, nothing is worth it. Um, and Madoka is at this point is just yeah, this is the first time where somebody really <laughs> confronts Madoka about her like self-sacrificing stuff and and, and it's just like because like Homura is like don't you realize that there are people who care about you you oh, know right 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 um you know you can't be so sacrificing like haven't like don't you consider that there are all of these people out there who would be hurt if you did this um yeah. so Homer is still not like exactly ready to admit that the person who would be hurt is her uh specifically um but <laughs> like she she's basically but, just like please 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 don't do this um yeah. so yeah and then Madoka is way too much to deal yeah. with right now like like Sayaka is is wigging the hell out. She just saw a cat turn into Swiss cheese. Homura is crying, and she's like, she just she just turns three sixty degrees and walks away. <laughs> it's just it's she's her just brain overload, uh, and she's like, I need to go find Sayaka. Uh, uh, if uh, so, yeah. So meanwhile, Sayaka is on the train listening to some dudes be just horribly misogynistic uh, and talking about, like, women that they're dating and how, like, you know, you need to, like, break it off before they become attached because you can't, you, you know, you can't treat these bitches like people. Um, and just saying all this horrible shit. Um, and Sayaka is, like, sitting there watching them and, like, getting more and more pissed off about this. Um, and, and like, this is, it's, it's, it's sort of a strange scene because it's sort of the most directly that the show confronts, like, these themes of, like, misogyny and, 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 and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it's an, it's definitely, yeah. it's absolutely an undertone in the entire show, as I was talking about before, but, like, this is, like, the, the sort of, like, the reality that it's, that it's engaging with. Um, yeah, and, and it, yeah, it, it, we talked earlier about kind of how Madoka characterizes a sort of like re- reckless empathy, where you kind of give and give and give of yourself without not like not not even kind of considering that you deserve to be loved in turn, and and the way these men are describing the women that they are kind of taking advantage of and and sayaka put kind of verbalizes it directly she's talked about how these women probably love them and are just killing themselves trying to make these men happy and all they want is just to be loved back and yeah uh these men are just have no intention of that yeah uh and then kube uh, is also also talks to Homer after Madoka leaves to go look for Sayaka, uh, and yeah, he's not actually dead. Yeah, he, yeah, tra- tragically he's not dead. He comes back and he's like, you know, I have, I have, I have <laughs> a nice, nice try on behind seven proxies. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're, he's got, he's got, he's got a lot of uh, little, little 
little Kibe dolls that he pops around yeah. in. Yeah, uh, and so he talks, and he he starts to realize sort of what Homura is, and realize, and is like, oh, you you you're, I forget like the exact phrasing, but it's like, oh, you're a time traveler, aren't you? You know, you're you're not from around here. Um, and so so then Sayaka transforms on the train and kills those two guys, um, and then. Uh, and by and by transform we mean uh, into a witch. She into a yeah. witch, and so at the end of the show, Kube has a line where he's um, also connecting to the theme of like growing up in adolescence. He's like, um, if someone who has not yet become a woman we call a girl, then someone who has not yet become a witch is a magical girl. Yeah. Uh, which and it's it's a line the, that makes a little bit more it, sense in Japanese because the Japanese word for magical girl is maho sozo and the Japanese term for witch is majo. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah so yeah. It, they you they have and the so, same final kanji. Uh, and so it's it's yeah and so once again kind of uh, and we figure out what's really going on it, it, this, this, this is going to happen almost every episode. First we figured out the whole soul thing. Now we realize that like all the witches they've been fighting this whole time were once magical girls yeah. and it, they become witches once they succumb to despair and their soul gem becomes too murky and turns into a grief scene um so yes so uh yeah and and, and kyoko like sort of talks to sayaka about this and like sees sayaka's like grief seed uh, and then, and then, so at the beginning of episode nine, the Saika transforms into a witch in front of Kyoko, and Homura rescues her. Um, and they talk about how Saika's transformed into a witch, um, and how it's, you know, it's, it's because her, her gem has become too tainted with despair. Um, and then we learn from Kyube the true nature of, of his enterprise. Um, so yeah, so so what? Like yeah, so what does he gain out of turning girls into magical girls who then become witches? Well, uh, he asks Madoka. <laughs> you this is this is the closest that this show comes to like a Kojima monologue. Like it doesn't quite like attain the sort of epic heights of of some of the, sh- the epic heights, the epic highs and lows of, high, lows of high school Metal Gear. But it's like it's getting there. <laughs> Um, where, like, basically, Kyube is like, so I'm, I'm an alien from a hyper-advanced race called, called the Incubators, and he explains how, like, every time you use energy to do work, um, some of the energy is lost, and, and you can't use it anymore, and so every time you do anything, you're reducing the total amount of usable energy in the universe, and there are all of these civilizations out there that are using so much energy that they need a, a way to reduce entropy, uh, to reverse the flow of entropy, and they, they searched for a way to do this, and the, what they found was that human souls, because humans have emotions, uh, unlike every other alien race out there, humans have souls and emotions. <laughs> and human emotions are a a source of energy that defies entropy and so they decided to create (laughs) magical girls in order to capture human emotional energy because teenage girls have more emotions than anybody else Um, the the sadness of teen girls defies the 
the and the, tr- the truly incredible thing about this scene is that Kube is explaining this, and Kube has like permanent like smiling cat face. Um, yeah. And Kube is explaining this, and like this show is like fifty to sixty percent shots of Madoka looking sad by volume. Like I just want to see like just how many cells they had to draw of Madoka looking sad. <laughs> And it's just like it's just so much cl- and like so and Cuba is explaining this completely insane premise. Well, Madoka looks just like I mean, she looks like what just happened just happened, which is that her best friend just died. And she and she's yeah, had so the you, worst month in human history, and she's just like staring at Kube as he explains this insane shit to her, and she just has the saddest expression on her face possible. And so yeah, and so she's like, so this is why you wanted me to become a magical girl. He's like, yeah, because you, since you be such a powerful magical girl, uh, that obviously means you would become one of the most terrible witches, and the corresponding energy that would be released by your descent into despair would be immeasurable. So if you ever feel like dying for the sake of the universe, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, and I think this might be a little sitting on her bed. This is a little bit later where where they have they have another conversation about like the notion of or like the nature of uh, of all of this stuff and how Cube has been um ha- how long magical girls have existed um oh, and but right, like Cube right, talks right. about how like how like how do you treat you know livestock you know, like, and, and he's like, and he's like, you know, you don't think about like how meat gets on your table, you know, and in a lot of ways, the relationship that people have with cows is mutually beneficial, you know, like, or, or all livestock animals is mutually beneficial. You know, these, these animals are protected from natural selection. They exist in vastly greater numbers than they would if, you know, left to their own devices. And in exchange, they get slaughtered when they reach a certain age. Um, and, he was like in many other in many ways like i treat humans a lot better than you treat livestock because i negotiate with you you don't ask a cow if you're going to kill it you know i negotiate with you as rational beings and you get to make the decision for whether or not you want to become a magical girl which is something that you don't afford to pigs uh (laughs) and (laughs) he's not wrong he's 100 right um And, uh, so yeah, so Kyoko and Madoka decide to team up to try to save Sayaka, because Kyoko, Kyoko's got a little crush at this point. Uh, I, yeah, when I, yeah, when I said it, it was gonna get gay, uh, This show has yeah, not the, even the enemies, begun to be homosexual. It's true, but, but, uh, Sayaka and Kyoko's little enemies to lovers shtick, uh, is, is, uh... Every time you think that the show... Like, this show is so much gayer than any other anime I've ever seen. Um, and it's, it, and like, every time you think that it's done, it's like, I have not yet begun to be gay. <laughs> um, it's great. Um, so yeah, so they decide to go to, f- like, into Sayaka's witch labyrinth and ha- see if Madoka can talk to her and, like, get her to remember who she really is and try to reach her human feelings. Um, and because because Kyoka talks, I think talks with Kyube and Kyube, where where she's like, 
you know, is there any way that this could possibly be done? And Kyubei's like, I've never seen it done, but I'm not willing to rule it out as a possibility because magical girls surprise me all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I do I do sort of appreciate this aspect of Kyubei's character, that he's just like, I have given up on understanding magical girls. I, it, I, just, I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, Kyoko, so basically, like, they, um, they, this, this attempt to reach Sayaka fails, um, and Kyoko sacrifices herself to destroy Sayaka while Homura rescues Madoka. Um, and, and Kyoko, it's like, it's so, we were talking about how gay it is, but, like, what she says is, like, while she's sacrificing herself, it's like, basically, she says, like, I don't want you to be alone. Um... You know, oh, which is no. is adorable. Uh, and she and she, yeah, she doesn't want to be alone. She doesn't want to be in a world without Sayaka. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, so after that, like Kube and Homura talk uh, talk uh, after this, and Kube is like, "There's no way that you're going to stop the Valfrikis knocked without Madoka becoming a magical girl." Uh, at this point, because now that now that Kyoko's dead and Sayaka's is dead, um, and then. In episode 10, we find out what's really going on. <laughs> we find out what's real. You thought you knew what was going on? I have not yet begun to tell you what is going on. <laughs> you, you thought the, you thought turning magical girls into witches to generate... To uh, reduce entropy? Emotional energy <laughs> to reduce entropy was the... What was we'd the, reach the... That's just the tip, of the, just the tip of the iceberg. I have not yet begun to explain... Uh, so baby Homura backstory yes, so in this episode begins with Homura arriving as a transfer student again but she looks different her hair's in braids she's wearing glasses and she's really nervous and she doesn't understand she's anything she's shy um, and we see we start to see what like what's going on like Madoka takes her to the nurse's office and she's really nervous and like Homura uh, like talks about how like oh uh, you know my name is really weird and Madoka's like oh I think your name is cool and you should be you should be cool because your name is cool, um, and Homura is like really immediately like smitten with 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 Madoka, um, uh, and then she she goes home after that and she's attacked by a witch but gets saved by Madoka and Mommy who are magical girls, um, and and they're like oh wow amazing incredible. Um, and, and they, so they, so they rescue her and then we sort of fast forward, I guess, like, or like montage through like a month until the Valpagisnacht arrives and Madoka and Mommy both get killed by it. Um, and Homer is like crushed by this, this, this happening and makes a contract with Kyube where, uh, she makes the somewhat suboptimal wish. She doesn't wish. <laughs> she doesn't wish that things were okay, or that Madoka was alive, or that Madoka and Mommy were alive. Like she doesn't wish any of those things. What she wishes is that she could go back in time and be strong enough to protect to protect Madoka herself. Um, and which is the monkey's paw. You're you're, is you're so going to get genied. Uh, you have wished you have wished yourself into a groundhog day, my friend. Um, so she goes back in time and becomes a magical girl, and she develops. And this is how we learn what her magic is. She has time magic, um, so she can stop time. And this is sort of this sort of explains like all of her magical powers that she's been using throughout um, the rest of the show. 
Um, and mm-hmm. so she joins she joins Madoka and Mommy and and learns about uh, how to use her powers. And she uh, she so she, her, her main magic, her main like offensive magic is explosives. Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, at first she's trying to figure out how to use her time magic, and so because she's a fucking nerd, she builds her own grenades. Oh yeah. And and uses her time magic to kind of coordinate their explosions in order to destroy witches. Yeah, and 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 um, but then like Saika is a witch too in this timeline, and uh, she's a bit of a brat in this in this uh, in this yeah. one. And, and she's like, I don't know if I like, want this this Homer a girl around. She's annoying, and I am the melee DPS in, in this in this and squad. I don't, I don't want all these explosions cr- in my face. They're cramping my style, and so, and so mommy is like, Homer, you got the other anything else up your sleeve? Yeah, and Homer <laughs> is like, okay. So then she she uses her time magic to sneak into a police station and steal a bunch of guns and ammo from a locker. The ammo specifically has the bullet. Yes, it is. It is on the it bullet brand ammo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, potentially inspired by mommy's 18th century rifles, she also becomes a gun witch. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, she. So yeah. So then they go to the Valpergis Noct, and they still can't defeat it. And Madoka turns into a witch. Um, and this is where Homer learns, like, how magical girls turn into witches. Um, right. And then, um, so she goes back, it, it, back in time to try to stop this from happening and, and tries to tell everybody this. And then they don't, and then they don't believe her until Sayaka becomes a witch. Um, and then, uh, at the end of, uh, af- after that battle, yeah, there's a great scene where, like, Mommy, like, pulls out her gun and kills Kyoko and then tries to kill Homura in order to prevent them all from becoming witches. Um, oh, and then right. Madoka, like, like kills Mommy and then it's just her and Homura to face the Valpurgis Nacht. Um, and they, they fail and they're about to turn into witches and, and Homura says the gayest shit I've ever heard. Uh, which is like, oh, let's turn into monsters and destroy this stupid world. Uh, and, and mommy and, and Madoka is like, pulls out a grief seed and uses it to save, uh, Homura. And it's like, go back. I know you can go back in time before all of this happened. Like, I want you to stop this from happening to me. Uh, keep me from being fooled by Kyube. And so the way that, uh... <laughs> The way that Homura decides to do this is she goes back in time. She she ditches the braids and glasses. She decides to become cool. Wait, is this before or after she shoots Madoka? That is after. That this is the same. This is the scene okay. where she. So yeah, so yes, she's like, yes, I want you to go so back in time, and Madoka's like, this, I don't want to turn into a witch. Kill me. Yeah. So this is another kind of of the scenes that are. It's so kind of understated in its in its kind of presentation, which just makes it that much yeah. more kind of emotionally resonant when uh madoka asks homura to to shoot her and yeah instead of having like a really kind of overwrought scene where like her finger trigger and uh it like it it pulls way out uh and you, you you see like the kind of silhouette and then 
the sound cuts and all you see is the muzzle yeah flash. what this scene reminds me and of a lot black. is the scene in in eva near in like episode 24 where at the end of episode 24 where shinji has to kill kaoru um and right. shinji like like has kaoru in, in his hand in, in a unit on one hand and like crushes it and you see the blood fall down to the ground and it's like the same sort of sort of thing um it's it's played slightly differently because obviously there's no time travel in eva but it's the same it has like the same sort of emotional resonance and so so yeah so uh homura goes back in time and the way that she decides to tell madoka to not get fooled by kube is she shows up outside of madoka's window in the middle of the night and i don't understand the geometry of this situ of this of this scene because like we've we've seen the outside of Madoka's house and it's like it's like one of those modernist houses and it's like it's like elevated above the ground and I I'm pretty sure Madoka's room is on the second floor um it might be on the first floor but then she she like Homer is like standing on the ground looking into Madoka's window and I don't understand where like the floor is that she could be standing on to be seeing yeah. that but anyway she I, looks in I assumed it was some sort of like extent like like an overhang that was like above the first floor but that doesn't fit it with doesn't the make any sense like I, I am not but she's so, just standing yeah. outside and I'm pretty sure you could see out the window and she could you could see she's like standing on grass or something like that and she just looks she oh. just like looks in <laughs> and is like Madoka if anybody ever offers to grant you a wish you say no and then she walks away and at this point they don't know each other so like it's just a strange girl comes home and is like if anybody asks you if you are God you say yes and then walks off um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, this is this is kind of her. Yeah, then she then she yeah she ditches the braids and the glasses and becomes. Uh, this is like the her, her origin her, story of how she became cool. Her bayonetta origin story. Uh, uh, and she's decided that she's like, gonna keep. She can't. She's gonna keep looping through time until she can save Madoka. Yeah, she's and she's kind of like cutting herself off from her emotions. And all she like just single she single mindedly focused on preventing Madoka from becoming a magical girl, whatever the cost. Um, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, Homura has established herself as the biggest fucking lesbian yes. of all time. She has decided to go back in time forever to save the girl she had uh, She met yeah. a month ago. Classic. Um, classic lesbian shit uh, so um, yes so at the beginning of episode 11 Kyube is talking to Homura uh, um, oh well okay wait so episode, episode 10 ends uh, yeah she goes full grimdark uh, yeah we talked about this and and then and then it, it, and then and then we're back at the beginning and, and instead of so they do they do the clever thing of oh, yeah. having the uh the end of the show be the opening oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we've we've um now now all has come full circle and it's such a yeah bop. the opening theme is pretty good uh, it's been stuck in my head uh ever since we watched the show um so yes so uh, so yeah, so Kube is talking to Homura, and Kube is like trying to understand, or he's talking about how he's been trying to figure out like how, 
uh, how Madoka is so powerful. And he, he realizes that because Homura has been traveling through time, uh, that's what's made Madoka powerful because, and this, this, the show explains so much and it never explains <laughs> this, that, um, the, the power of a magical girl is like a result of her, the weight of karmic destiny on her or something like that, which, Okay, um, and, 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 like, Madoka, because of all of these trips through time, uh, Homer has, like, converged so many timelines swirling around Madoka that she is, like, the most important person to ever exist, um... So, yeah, so every, so every time Homer goes yeah. back in time, Madoka's latent, uh, emotional witch energy becomes that much yeah. greater. Um, uh, so Saika's dead, uh, and they have, they have her funeral, uh, and they talk about like how like nobody knows why she died or how she died like the, her you know her life's been a little bit rough. Um, this is where Kube talks to Madoka about like the history of magical girls shaping civilization. Um, right. So yeah. So <laughs> since human history has been recorded, little freaky cats have been meddling in it, uh, turning. The great women of history into magical yeah, and girls. Yeah, just like all of them, and and like and 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 Cuba uh, is like you know if it weren't for our intervention and these magical girl wishes, like human society would never have advanced. Uh, <laughs> um, and and Fatoka finds this very very distressing, um, and. Uh, Madoka goes. Madoka goes to Homer's apartment. This is where we see that the outside of her apartment is a weird Edwardian like row house. Um, and Homer is like, "Oh, I I can handle the Valpergisnacht by myself. Like, you know, I was just being nice to Kyoko, uh, which is a, a, a bold faced lie." Um, and, <laughs> and Madoka, yeah, Madoka knows, knows it. it. And then Homer explains like the entire time travel thing to Madoka, and it's like, I have gone back in time so many times just to save you. Please don't fuck this up. Um, yeah, so this is, yeah, this is her second, like, big emotional yeah. break. Like, she tries to, she tries to keep up the mask when she's like, oh, yeah, I can take care of the Valpergis knock, no problem. And when Madoka, like, presses her on it, she, she finally cracks and is like, no, okay, I'm just in love with you and I spent like a lifetime trying to save your life. And this is like all I can do yeah. now. Um, so yeah, so then we, <laughs> we learn that the Valpurgis Knock is like, its manifest is as like basically a typhoon. Um, and so, uh, she, uh, so, so they, like the typhoon starts descending on the city uh, and Homura goes to prepare to fight the Valpurgis Nacht, and Madoka goes to the hurricane shelter with her family. Um, and here we get one of the like the the funniest and greatest like action yeah. sequences uh, as Homura is fighting the Valpurgis Nacht. So she's been kind of refining her uh, her gun magic and her explodey magic uh, through all these iterations. And so now she's kind of got this down to a fucking science where she has like like yeah. a cornfield of bazookas <laughs> and she uses her time magic to like shoot them all and then coordinate their impact to be all at the same time. And she had does the same thing with like a bunch of 
timed explosives and who knows what else and it's just the most ludicrous thing and it's so good uh this yeah this is the thing about this show like it it knows it's ridiculous but it commits to it so hard and it pulls it off that it's it's like yeah it's great it's this is this this whole sequence is both ridiculous and hilarious and like cool yeah. as hell um so yeah so we get we see uh madoka in like the hurricane shelter um and madoka i think hears from Cube like telepathically that like you know the only thing that's keeping Homer from becoming a witch is the idea that she can save Madoka if she goes through these loops enough times. And if she ever starts to feel like it's hopeless, she will become a witch immediately. Uh, and, you know, Madoka has this sense that, like, it's not it's not going well. Um, and yeah, so, so we, Madoka decides to go see, to save her. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So we see this, this ridiculous fight scene, and it seems like it's going well. It seems like kind of like all her practice over all these loops has finally paid off, and she's got this one in the bag. And then she, like, this massive explosion goes off. And then uh, instead of the witch appearing completely down the pavement, she is phase two, yeah. baby. Uh, and, and Homura gets fucking thrown into a skyscraper yeah so madoka just tries to leave the hurricane shelter but her mom like catches up to her because madoka's like oh i have to go to the bathroom and her mom's like hmm uh and madoka tries to leave and her mom catches up with her and it's like where the fuck are you going there's a hurricane out there and madoka's (laughs) like i need there's somebody that i need to save and her mom's like save leave that for the firefighters um like you need to stay here and and madoka's like no like you don't understand like there's this and and like her mom like they have this me. conversation where, like, her mom is like, is, is like, you know, you need to com- consider. Her mom smacks her, uh, and then her yeah. mom is like, you need to consider that there are people who care about you. Uh, You're not the only person in this world, and like, uh, like, everything doesn't have to be on. Yeah, you. and Madoka says, you know, I know that now. I understand that, but there is this one thing that only I can do. Yeah, so so she has kind of like finally like come to acknowledge like that her tendency towards self-sacrifice will hurt other people. Um and like she she recognizes that, recognizes that other people care about her and that they are hurt when she hurts, but she's like I still have to do this. However, I am doing it understanding the sacrifice masking of you and everyone else who loves me that i am going to put myself in danger for someone yeah. else so she goes to meet up with homura and homura is like oh jesus christ please don't <laughs> yeah the episode just ends with madoka being like homura I'm yeah sorry. um so homura des- or madoka decides to make a wish to become a magical girl and she has she has ruminated on this for 12, 12 episodes now and she has come to the conclusion that her wish is going to be that she wants all she wants to prevent a, all witches in all timelines past present and future from ever coming into existence uh and cuba is like hmm inter- that that's certainly an interesting <laughs> wish 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, she, yeah, for the first time, <laughs> someone's really workshopped yeah. this. Um, uh, she probably could have workshopped it a little bit more. Uh, but yes. so she transcends reality and becomes God. Um, and she like <laughs> stops existing as a person and exists, comes to exist as a concept that destroys witches, like a principle of the universe by which magical girls cease to exist when they, when they, uh, when they would have otherwise become witches. Uh, yeah, she added, she added a clause to her, her wish that they like, they can, magical girls can like leave the world with a smile on their face or something and so kind of her purpose now is that when witches are overcome with despair and on the verge of becoming or magical girls are overcome with despair and on the verge of becoming a witch she appears uh and clears their soul gem of despair and lets them kind of pass on to valhalla with a with a clear uh with a clear soul um so yeah so uh this this so the yeah so the irony is that like yeah her um she's finally come to terms with the fact that like her sacrifices are affect other people and that um she needs to value her own life and that like other people like care about her and it ends with her essentially sacrificing herself yeah. for the sins of all mankind. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's sort of strangely self-contradictory. And there's, you know, there's this very long conversation that she has with Homura where Homura is like, you know, how, like, you know, how can you do this? You know, this is a fate worse than death. And Madoka's is like, it's not a fate worse than death to me, you know, um, you know, but she's like sort of condemned to an eternity of fighting forever all the time in all places. Um, and so she, she essentially like remakes the universe in her image and she's talking with Homura about this and like, um, you know, they talk about, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly gay. Like they're both like naked in space, hugging each other. So outside, yeah, outside, outside of time, of time and space, and space. Uh, bound together by the red ribbon of fate. Uh, and you know, just, just being pals. And like the show, it does pull like the, like Madoka's like, I didn't realize until, you know, now I can see all of the timelines that you went through and I can see the struggle that you went through. And I didn't realize that I had such a great friend. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you really just see Gen Urobochi like behind the camera, just like looking you directly in the eye and then like winking once. Um, <laughs> because it is, it is just, just so gay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and so Madoka decides to give Homura, like, a souvenir to remember her by, which is the ribbons in her hair, and is like, you know, now these can be yours, I won't exist anymore, nobody will remember me, but I think you'll be able to remember me. Um, and so she becomes, like, the only person in this new world who can remember that witches ever existed, or that Madoka ever existed, or any of these things ever happened, and... And it's, it's, she doesn't have like a perfect memory. Uh, at one point she kind of, she comes across, uh, Madoka's little mm. brother and, and his parents and, uh, the, the he's, he, the little brother, the little brother is it, drawing a picture of Madoka and oh, he, yeah, he has, and he, he has Madoka. an imaginary friend called Madoka. Uh, and her parents are like, uh, oh, he has this imaginary friend and Homer is like, oh yeah, I think I knew her. 
Um, you know, but Homer has, I think actually Homer has a pretty clear memory of, of this because she's, she's later explaining oh, yeah. to Cube like the way that this old world worked while she's like oh, right. feeding him sugar cubes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so instead of fighting witches now, they fight wraiths. Uh, they're still magical girls. They still fight, but they fight wraiths because uh, it's, the world is not a utopia. There is still yeah. suffering and shit and capitalism. Uh, and so the the uh, trials and tribulations of, of humans manifest as wraiths that have to be uh, exercised. And so Cubay uh, still gets his snackies. Uh, and while yeah, one time when they are um, when Homer is feeding him these little not grief seeds but whatever the wraiths drop, she happens to mention that she believes the world used to be rather different, and describes how there were witches yeah. that magical girls and turned Cuba, into, and yeah. that was and Cuba talks about how like oh well that would be a substantially more efficient way to collect energy like I you know if, <laughs> I wish we had been able to do that but unfortunately we can't I you know I like I don't. No, obviously, if the thing that you were saying it actually happened, then there would be no way to empirically verify this. So I can't confirm or deny what you're saying, but it it sure is interesting to think about foreshadowing. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> Homer, why did you say that? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's pretty how it ends. Like, um. Sayaka is still dead. Yes. Uh, she chose to pass on because by whatever rules of the game, if she had chosen to kind of be reinstituted into the rewritten reality, fucking Kiyosuke, our fail son violinist, wouldn't have gotten his... His hands back. Uh, ...ability yeah. to play the violin back. And so she chose to shuffle off the mortal coil in exchange for him um shuffling the violin can you set no yeah that's it um, so dear dear reader Al alex alex and i have have uh, a sort of inside joke uh regarding the the dismemberment plan song the ice of boston uh <laughs> which uh is a great song and it has this bit uh where um travis morrison sings uh that she woke up at 3 a.m with the radio on with that gladys knight and the pip song on about how she'd rather live in his world with him and live in her own world alone which is uh midnight train to georgia which is also a great song um and he says oh gladys girl i love you but oh and uh yeah sayaka get a life uh she, yeah she, uh she she gains some perspective on this or at least her ghost does down the line uh but yeah so it ends with sayaka not getting a life yeah. in multiple ways um homura instead of being a gun witch she now uh, uses bow and arrow in honor of madoka and the uh, yeah the other girls are back but do not remember uh not remember our lord and savior uh Madoka. after this that's, that's the, the show. show after the show By came out they released two movies that condensed this show into two movies i actually this show is very short so i actually don't know if the runtime of those how much shorter the runtime of those two movies is than just watching the entire show um uh, 
That's a good question. Um, and I'm actually, one thing that I'm curious about, because I think the show is paced really, really well. Um, yeah. You know, like, I, I never I felt, thinking. even when we watch, like, a lot of 13-episode shows, I often feel like some parts of them drag um you know and like there's a lot of like parts of of uh, most shows that we watch where it's like it it feels like they're dragging or this episode doesn't really need to be here and like it's only here because this is a television show and they needed to make a season's worth of episodes and madoka is not like that like every bit feels like it's necessary like the fact that like they take initially i was like oh it's sort of strange that like they take you know there's like this first episode and then there's the second episode where they just explain the rules and there's this third episode where they actually introduce like the plot and the conflict but i think it's it's paced out better like that because it makes the twist in episode three so much more impactful you know and so like everything feels really deliberately placed and it feels like it was constructed very very well and like there's never a moment where it feels like it's dragging or like there's there's any bit um of wasted space so it, it I, 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 I haven't watched the summary movies, but I'm curious to see if they feel rushed in any way for having to mm. condense this show into just two movies. Uh, yeah. But they made so they made those two movies, which just recap the plot of the show. And then they went off the deep end. Uh, they they sure made a, uh, a third film called Rebellion, which is insane. Um, when we recorded the lost version of this episode, I said that I wasn't sure if this movie was good, but by the end of our discussion about this movie, I have come to the conclusion that this movie is good. Uh, it, it's fan fucking tastic. And it, it, what it is, is like, we were talking a little bit about like the contradiction about like the lesson that Madoka learns about needing to take care of and value herself. And then her immediately throwing that out the window to become anime Jesus um and this movie feels like it's it's sort of like drawing on that contradiction for its sort of core theme as sort of like what if like how would you go about doing it differently um you know like madoka's perspective like this movie very much focuses on homura as as its protagonist um and it's like sort of what she what she would have done in madoka's shoes i guess in a certain way so rebellion starts in uh, a very unusual way which is that we are all of our our girls are alive mommy's alive sayaka's alive kyoko's alive uh and they're just hanging out like they're just uh they're just fighting they're they're fighting magical they're fighting uh they're fighting nightmares not wraiths um Right. And they, they're living their best lives. Oh, yeah. Homer, yeah. Homer, it begins with Homer transferring yeah. to the school and then right. uh, becoming a magic. Uh, yeah, in, they become magical it, girls. Well, in, the, in this version, she's already yes, she's a already magical, a magical girl. girl. And then, um, uh. so yeah, uh, yeah, like the first thing that we see them do together is they go and they fight this nightmare that's the embodiment of Hitomi's, like, uh, relationship with Kyosuke, where, like, Hitomi keeps, like, calling Kyosuke and, like, being like, hey, do you want to, like, hang out? And Kyosuke's like, sorry, I got, I got violin shit to do. Um. <laughs> yeah, and so he's, he's the worst boyfriend in the world, and... Never date yeah, a violinist. Never date somebody like... who plays an instrument that's, like, cool or celebrated. You can only date, only date, like, bassists and violists. <laughs> Date a tuba player. <laughs> They'll never oh, leave yeah. you. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, this is where Sayaka has some perspective. Yeah. Um, where so so Hitomi's like resentment and misery culminates in this nightmare yeah. emerging, and the the, the girls uh, scramble to handle it, and uh, Sayaka's like, "Well, that's what happens when you date the world's most oblivious boy." Uh. And Kyoko's like, <laughs> "Speaking of experience, are you a good thing?" You're dating me now. I'm not oblivious at all. Uh, she just um, so yeah, and then the other thing that happens at the beginning of this of this movie is that uh, Madoka's teacher, who we didn't really talk about, she's um, a very just a just a sad woman. Uh, <laughs> she's a goofball. I love her, and she talks about how the Mayan calendar doomsday has passed, which places this movie <laughs> as being set in the same year that it came out, 2013, which is so much more confusing because of all the Starship <laughs> Future Time shit. I don't understand how that's possible. I don't understand anything about the setting of this show. Um, and to its credit, it doesn't it even It does not explain, explain it at all. Um... Also, there's like a bunch of fucking zeppelins in this in this version of of the city for some reason. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so uh, when they fight this nightmare, the way that they defeat this nightmare is by singing a song about cake for like two minutes, at least. And two it's minutes. it's a long it's, it's a, a long, long song. song about cake. About cake. And they just sit around a table and they sing a song about cake and that defeats the nightmare. And they sing a song about cake and fruit. And I don't know why. Yeah, my best guess is <laughs> that kind of it's driving home that this this little version of the story we're living in is a little too neat yeah. and tidy and too cute and too peaceful. Uh, but it's a lot to make that point. Yeah, it's a it's a whole it's, it's a, song about cake. It's a lot. So of yes. Cake. So after this cake incident, uh, Homura calls Kyoko and they go out on a date. And Kyoko and she talks to Kyoko about how hey, have you noticed that Aang's weird? Like that we sing songs about cake um, now. <laughs> That seemed... Yeah, Homer is like I'm asking you because you're you're the biggest yeah you're the weirdo weirdest one of us. Here. Have you noticed that anything seems strange? And Kyoko's like, not really. And uh, Homer like asks her like, so you're a transfer student? Like, where did you transfer from? And it's like, oh, I transferred from this other city. And it's like, oh, have you been back there? And she's like, no, I haven't really had a reason. And it's like, okay, why don't we go there? And then they're like, okay, let's go. Um, so they go and they get on a bus and they take a bus into. A, a screensaver from 2005. Um, th th my biggest <laughs> problem with this movie, I really like this movie, but it is but ugly. Um, it has a lot of really, really compelling visual ideas, and it sometimes executes on them, but a lot of them are really poorly executed and just sort of feel like a bunch of half-finished, poorly composited CGI ideas that don't work and like this whole bus trip section has so many really really cool visual ideas that are just executed really badly and 
it's even worse. There's like a big fight scene near the end and there's so much just like corner cutting on so much of like the big crowd scenes and stuff like that where it's really clear that they just didn't actually have the budget to do something that ambitious and they're just like there's just so much like stuff that's like copy pasted and stuff that just is poorly composited and stuff that's like, you know, large clouds of stuff that's like very clearly like a computer particle system that doesn't feel naturalistic or or artistic at all it's really frustrating because this movie is clearly made by a lot of people who have great visual imagination and they just don't have the tools and the budget necessary to to realize it um but uh so yeah so they leave they leave the town and they're on this bus and for some reason the thing that tips them off that something's fucky is not like (laughs) the fact that they're in the matrix like they look around and it's like they're in like a purple wasteland you know and there's all this like hallucinatory nonsense happening and for some reason like the thing that they're mad about is that the bus stop that they're trying to get off at doesn't exist anymore you know they're like this is supposed to be this bus stop and they're like walking and then like they get off the bus and walk and then they find themselves back at the city that they started out at and they realize that like they're not they can't there there is nothing outside of the city um, you know, they're, they're trapped in a fake city. Um, and Homura, uh, remembers, start, starts to remember, uh, that, that this is a witch's labyrinth. And she thinks that that's curious because witches don't exist. Um, witches don't exist anymore. So there must, this is, this is something that is very, very strange. What is this witch? Um, and then she realizes that there's another witch that she's seen, which is mommy has this familiar called Bebe, who's a little a little goblin who talks about cheese. <laughs> yeah, the, the introduction of Bebe into this movie is it's completely mysterious. inexplicable. It feels a lot like uh, fucking Maddie from the Ava rebuilds, except she has a substantially smaller role. She's in like four scenes in this movie and i don't know why she's there because it very much feels in in the last episode i brought i brought this up that uh what it reminds me of is this this particular episode of rick and morty where they (laughs) there's there it's 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 a it's a good episode of that show where they have there's like a brain parasite that infects people's memories and constructs like f- constructs false memories in order to disguise itself, and the way that this manifests in the show is by the exponential proliferation of wacky sitcom sidekicks that everybody keeps acting like have always been in the show. Um, <laughs> and that's how this feels. It's like it's baby, you remember? You know, baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Sings about sings yeah, about you know, cheese. Yeah, a like little, a a little goblin who loves cheese. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like the, the way, like it's used. Like Homer is like, well, what's the kind of what doesn't fit in this picture it's yeah bad. it's this weird goblin and it's like uh, i i so like if they introduce baby just to have like something that inexplicable yeah. then sure like, yeah it's, it is like like that's sort of what i was expecting it to be but then after they reveal who she is she like sticks around and then they they keep right. acting like you're supposed to know who she is and it's and Maybe that maybe maybe in the yeah recap like maybe this is some new character that's in the movies. recap movies that I just don't know about but I 
that i that, mean that would make sense like that's how mary mary in evangelion got introduced except instead of being a little freak who loves cheese she was just introduced yeah she's a little movies. freak who loves to be horny um so yeah so um so homura is like okay looks like bebe is the witch uh so yeah she, yeah she used to time to like kidnap and beat the shit out of bebe and then uh mommy shows up and is like what are you doing she's just a little goblin who loves cheese uh and then they get into this so, very long fight sequence um yeah it, it like it's a it's it's like it's not as it's not as good as uh Homura's like missile attack on the on the Valpurgis Nacht in the original show, but it's it's it's, it's a really uh, good I sequence. Like, I like it a um, lot. Yeah, and then like they end like the fight ends and it's like ah, it appears that we're evenly matched. Um Yeah. It's like a bit, but the, that bit in the Matrix where they're both like, You're empty. So are you. And they both throw away their guns, and then Homura pulls out another smaller gun. Otherwise oh, known as a handgun. Uh, well, they had. She pulls well, out another. It, the, the gun she, she pulls a, out is a regular she, handgun. It's not like a t. It's not like a teeny tiny spy gun or something like that. I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, mommy is like, "Oh fuck!" And then, but then Homura pulls it up to her own head. As if she's gonna shoot herself, and then mommy's like, "Oh shit!" And yeah, because mommy uh, like throws during, out her during this ribbons. fight. Mommy has been holding on to Homer's ankle with her hair in order to keep uh, Homer from using her time magic. Because anything when Homer stops time, anything that's touching her can move around as though time wasn't stopped. Um, yeah. So in order to get mommy uh, to let go of her, Homer pretends to shoot herself and then stops time and then goes to shoot mommy. So yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's this wild bit where like mommy shoots out ribbons to grab Homer's arm to pull the gun away. Homer pulls the trigger anyway and like grazes her own face. So like the blood splattered across her face, but the bullet cuts through the mommy's ribbons, breaking her connection from. Homura and freezing herself in time and Homura goes to shoot her then has a, a change of heart and aims at her yeah. leg uh, and then fires the bullet a bullet like stops yeah. right in this front of this whole sequence feels leg. like they had like a contest at the office or something to see like who like like somebody decided like we want to see the magical girls fight each other because that would be fun and we want to animate that and we haven't gotten to animate that yet and so they just like had a contest to see which two magical girls were going to fight each other and then they just put that scene in this movie for like 10 minutes um you know like it's a good scene and it does stuff narratively but also it's like it does feel like it goes on for a really long time. Like this movie, this movie's it's other major crime ridiculous. is that it's two hours long, um, which is you shouldn't make an animated movie that's two hours long. It should be illegal, um, <laughs> you know. And like if this movie were shorter, it would probably look better. Um, so, uh, so she, she restarts time, and then lo and behold, the mommy that she's about to shoot in the leg is a construct. Not the real mommy. So it turns into ribbons, binds her up again. Homer getting tied up by mommy is a recurring oh, yeah. theme. And real mommy appears and is like, all right, all right, what the fuck? Yeah. And then 
and Homegirl like explains that like Bebe is a witch, and then they're then Bebe like takes the f- like a human form. She's Tina's a tiny little creep, goblin, but, like... but not like a little tiny goblin. <laughs> Just a tiny yeah. little goblin. Um, and then Homura gets rescued by Sayaka. Um, and Sayaka is like, hey. So Sayaka basically reveals, like, she remembers everything, too. She remembers the witches. She remembers Matoka. Um, and Sayaka is like, hey, you may want to reconsider the truth that you're that you're after you know you may not want to want to find out about it um you know it's a very well what i wrote in my notes was that this is this is anime oedipus rex um uh, <laughs> uh and homura is is like trying to figure out why sayaka knows this stuff because she's she like she's like okay there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense here like this witch's labyrinth shouldn't exist. Bebe shouldn't exist. You shouldn't exist. Like, there shouldn't be a, a somebody else who remembers that witches exist. Um, right. And, um, and they, they, they taught, and, and Homer and Sayaka have, have this sort of conversation where Sayaka, like, sort of, sort of pries at, at, uh, Homer's like intuition about about this, like you know who benefits because this witch's labyrinth is really strange. It's not like drawing people in to kill them. It just seems to want to keep everything exactly the same. So who benefits from this state of affairs? And um, Homer thinks about the fact that like mommy had just said that like she was happier than ever, um, you know, and it's like, are you insinuating that mommy is 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 the witch? And Sai is like, no, not quite. Um, and Homer warmer Warmer. and homer realizes that the only person obviously after madoka's wish rewrote the universe the only person who remembers the the existence of witches is is her um so she comes to the conclusion um that she has become a witch um somehow she has become a witch and that this is her labyrinth um um and so she she the loss of madoka has caused it caused her to despair and she's somehow become a witch um and then we get this long sequence where homura shoots at kube while he explains what's going on which is that he started thinking about this situation where where homer was thinking talking about witches and like they wanted to like see if they could if they could make that happen and so they constructed a a barrier around a soul gem around homer's soul gem in order to try to construct a witch and they wanted to create this barrier so that whatever force causes witches to dissolve wouldn't be able to get in but it's like a semi-permeable membrane where like things can go (laughs) in but not as themselves they can only go in as victims of the witch and it's not it, it's like it's this very like just so kind of kind of setup <laughs> yeah. um, so somehow don't ask how they create this like madoka proof yeah. fence that can also kind of let people's other people's souls in but only under like homura's terms yeah. and madoka so like madoka can enter but she can't enter like as the god madoka who destroys witches she can only enter as like madoka uh like homura's memories of like the yeah. human madoka and or so whatever. they go in and 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 so yeah kube like explains all of this whole thing where they talk about how like they wanted to create a witch in here so that they could understand and control this madoka phenomenon and destroy it so that they could go back to creating witches because it's a much more efficient way to derive energy uh <laughs> yeah so, so kind of a yeah like a madoka honeypot to try and like 
artificially create a witch to try and try and uh, figure out what the heck this this uh, anti witch principle of nature is all yeah. about. And lo and behold, as they're analyzing the contents of Homura's her labyrinth that she has created as a witch. Uh, the only thing they found in there that has no counterpart outside the labyrinth uh, is... Huh, interesting. So, um, so yeah, and then so Madoka... So Homer is so pissed at this that she turns into a witch. Um, Like a proper proper witch. witch. She, like, fully turns into a witch, and then she tries to kill all of of the incubators um, in the witch's labyrinth and trying to, like destroy herself so that so that she can save uh save madoka um and then it turns out that like sayaka so yeah this is this is what this is what kibe wants so he wants he wants her to kind of go um full witch so that madoka will be kind of awakened to her powers and they'll be able to um bop her but it doesn't quite work out. So for another, yeah, once again, for kind of like for <laughs> and plot reasons. reasons. So Sayaka and Bebe have been serving as like proxies of Madoka's soul. So like they've kind of taken on kind of the aspects of her that remember her godhood so that she doesn't have to remember it and doesn't have to awaken while they're in the labyrinth. Yeah. So they so they fight they, so they can fight Homura's witch without triggering Madoka's uh Yeah, divinity. and so there's this whole and that's what that big that's yeah. that's the big fight there's scene. This that whole you're super long fight the... scene that sucks to watch because it's really ugly. Um and it eventually like culminates in them like cracking Homer's egg, um, <laughs> crack crack the world's egg, right? Uh, and and finding finding the seal that the incubators placed around her soul gem yeah. to keep Madoka from entering properly, and they they free Homer so that uh, the real Madoka the her 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 godly incarnation can do her thing and purify and this is where something that that was interesting to me and that i i I haven't fully unpacked is that like so like they lean really heavily in this movie about like on like language and imagery that suggests like the madoka christ allegory really heavily um but there's also a lot of imagery like there's a recurring motif like visual motif of like a mandala like as like a a sort of visual repeating pattern and then there's this sequence where like madoka comes down from heaven uh like with like an elephant and stuff like that and it's this i don't know enough about like buddhist and shinto mythology to know what the source of this is but i saw it in um the tale of the princess kaguya when we watched that there's a similar image and so they must both be referencing the same source myth i just don't know what it is um so like there's this sort of strange confluence of like eastern symbolism and western symbolism going on here that i haven't fully unpacked yet because i just don't know enough about like the sort of buddhist mythology um 
but yeah the, the, so she so yeah so like godly madoka descends and you could ask at this point like when she's but she's gonna do her do her thing where she cleanses the girl's soul and raptures them like why if she's like why does why can't she just like cleanse their soul and either return them to being a normal girl or let them kind of continue as a magical girl and that's never really explained yeah. either it's just part of i mean it's part of the I, narrative yeah. that there's... i think it, what one thing that is interesting i guess about this movie is that it's sort of a, is that homer is sort of asking that question as well like why did it have to be this yeah. way like why couldn't we have constructed a better world like why did we have to compromise on this yeah. because like in yeah. Yeah. What, what, what we'll see, like, basically what happened... Okay, so what happens next is that, like, Madoka's coming down to, like, rapture Homura, and then Homura, like, ten- tentacles shoot out of her, and she grabs Madoka and splits Madoka into her, like, divine half and her human half, um, which is very Christian notion. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all we need is the Holy yeah. Ghost now. And we're um, that's the elephant. Um, the Father, hey! the Son, and the Holy Elephant. Um, <laughs> and um, so yeah, so they split this. They, they she splits Madoka in half, and she basically her despair becomes so deep, and she becomes so powerful with like basically her love for Madoka. Like she literally talks about this. Like she destroys the universe and remakes it in her own image, um, or in her in, in the image yeah, of her yeah, own ideals, like the- where she she's like talking to Cuba because Cuba is like, "What the fuck is happening?" Um, and Madoka <laughs> is like, "Well, I've become what you might call a demon." Uh-huh. Homura, yeah, Homura is like I've become what you might be called a call a demon. I'm she's like I'm experiencing a new emotion that's not hope or despair, some new thing called love. (laughs) Yeah, when when like when like Sayaka and the girls are being like, "What the fuck are you doing?" She's like, "You wouldn't understand. This is an emotion no one has ever felt." (laughs) Um, So she loves Madoka so much that she destroys the universe, and she she basically what yeah it's so gay um and so she's basically like um she's talking to cuba and she and and like the madoka is like when she like became a god she was like trying to come to some sort of compromise position between like the desires of the magical girls and the desires of the incubators and homura is like fuck that like I don't have any interest in compromising with these people. I have no interest in, like, furthering their goals or coming to a place where, like, they can still harvest energy, but magical girls don't have to turn into witches. Like, fuck that. I want to create a universe where they're my bitch. Um... And so she, she basically, she creates so much, she uses like the power of love and despair to create this perfect universe or her idea of a perfect universe. And she, she creates so much despair in this process that it needs to, it needs to go somewhere. And so she decides that like, this is going to be the curse that is born by the incubators for all of human, for all of time is that they are going to be cursed to, to bear all of the despair that Homer felt um for losing madoka um and this whole sequence is insane uh it's it's yeah it's it's and so she recreates this universe where uh all of the girls are back alive um and 
and she is like this demon who like sort of exists in the world and sort of exists outside of the world but she's become like the embodiment of evil is how she describes it to Sayaka because Sayaka's like hey I know what you're doing you know you're you're not gonna get away with this um <laughs> and, and Homer's just like sitting there like drinking tea like what are you gonna do about it um <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, and Homura is, like, is, is talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, it's, it, and she talks to, like, Madoka in that same, like, in this, like, same, like, uh, pedestrian walkway that they first, uh, yeah, talked so in, it, you know, which... In her version of the world, like, this time, uh, Madoka is the transfer student, so she arrives, and... Homura gets to be like, oh, let me show you around. Come with me, dear. Uh, and finally gets to, like, have Homura alter, or have Madoka alter herself, yeah. basically. Um, and Madoka, like, has this sudden realization, like, wait a minute, this is, <laughs> this isn't my world. Um... <laughs> It was yeah. So so uh, the, 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 like the backstory that has been generated for Madoka is that like she grew up here, then left for America oh, yeah. for like three years, and is now back. And Homer is like, "How do you find it being back?" And Madoka's like, "It's weird. It seems like nothing has changed." Then she's like, "Well, actually, that's not true. It feels like I'm the only thing that hasn't changed. It feels like I'm don't fit here. It feels like this is not my role in this world." And at that point, Homura is like, ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nuts. And then Homura, like, asks her, like, hey, do you, do you value, like, following the rules? Um, you know, do you care about keeping things in order? And Madoka is like, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, and Homura's like, well, then we may become enemies in the future, but for now, everything is exactly as it should be. Um, and that's basically the end of the movie oh yeah i also forgot to mention that when when homura turns into a demon she gets a new horny outfit um yeah it's it's, it's, yeah it's like it's like yeah yeah. succubus vibes sort of uh and yeah so like there she's like sort of coming to terms with the fact that like this world homura has made might not last uh and like she made it for Madoka, so I think if anyone else threatened it, she would um, fill them yeah. full of lead. But because it's Madoka, like she accepts that if Madoka ends up kind of shattering it and uh, resetting the world again, then that's yeah. that. But she's gonna she's gonna like enjoy this world while it lasts. Yeah. Uh... But, yeah, like uh, it's this sort of interesting. Like we get this perspective of like it's it's it is astonishing to me that a straight man wrote this because <laughs> it is so gay and it's so like it's gay in a way that feels so true to the way that people I know think and act that like I I it is unbelievable to me that that a straight man wrote this um, where like it's. <laughs> Where, like, she is literally willing to become, like, the physical manifestation of evil and doesn't give a shit about, like, this conception of morality or whatever because she has this, her own conception of what's right and what's wrong and she wants to create this world and she's not, like, 
like when she asked Madoka, like, do you do like to follow rules? Do you care about when rules are broken? Like she's like the one who's like breaking all of like the established rules of this universe in order to create a perfect world. And doing that makes her quote unquote evil. But like, that's what really is like the, it really is like her version or like the best possible outcome for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like for her, like a world in which like Madoka doesn't exist and isn't happy, like is yeah. not a good world. Uh, and so like, she doesn't care. She, yeah, she says like, you could describe me as evil. You can describe me as a demon uh, because she, she understands that's like what, how it might look to other people. But for her, like this is the only yeah. right thing to do um. to, to create a world in which Madoka doesn't have to, like, sacrifice herself et- eternally uh, for everyone else. And, yeah, th- and this and this is what is, yeah, so remarkable about this movie is how it's, like, yeah, like, Madoka gave her, provided kind of her answer at the end of the show of, like, h- like how to rewrite the world. To be to a more just place, I guess. Minim- yeah, and like Homura is like, I love you, girl, but you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and it, it's it's and, really and so it's, like it it feels like because like we were talking we we talked about how like so like they're making another movie another Madoka movie they announced last year, which is really strange to me because Rebellion came out in 2013 and this movie feels like a really incomplete statement. Um, you know, or like this movie when combined with the show feels incomplete because you have this like thesis and antithesis, but it feels like there's, there's like the world that has been created here is very unstable. Um, you know, and it feels like a a sort of lack of resolution for the story. And it feels really obvious to me that you would want to continue this and try to figure out some way some kind of synthesis or at the very least reject the notion of synthesis but that doesn't happen in this movie right. and so like I'm, I'm actually really surprised it's taken them you know almost 10 years to start production on another on a sequel movie to to rebellion because it feels really obvious to me like that like this story is not done and that there's like there need there's still this conflict between what madoka wants and what homura wants that n- begs to be resolved in some way yeah and I, yeah and, and a, there are a couple of ways in which that could go and i think one way in which um like one way which might not be how it ends because if one, one way of reading it is that like there isn't a synthesis and that no kind of world can be perfect and that uh like there are different possible worlds some more just than others but no there's no world that all would describe as as perfectly just and that uh in that reading like the instability of homer's world is kind of inevitable because like just as madoka's had to be rewritten so will homer's yeah. uh, and but yeah, if if since there's going to be a third one, I feel like it's more likely we'll get something more, in your words, like yeah. stable, as as an end state. 
but yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't. Think I wouldn't. Uh, like, I, of the world. In in a certain way, I kind of expect something similar to what the last Ava rebuild was trying to do. Um, you know, because like mm. the, the Ava rebuilds, uh, definitely like uh, something that's interesting about Ava is that the original show ending and end of Ava sort of present, like, polar opposite narratives of, like, what could happen after this single inflection point at the end of episode 24 when Shinji kills Kaoru. Um, and there was something that I was, like, I was starting to think that they were trying to play with this with, like, the titling of those movies, where, like, they had, like, uh... like they're all, like, you cannot advance, you know, and there's, there's, some, there's some sort of parenthetical negation in all of the titles, which they then jettison for the third right. movie uh, to name it the dumbest thing in human history. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, they're all named like that, and, like, it, the, the Ava rebuilds, um, and especially with, like, their conclusion where, like, the entire Ava universe is obliterated, um, you know. Yeah, Anno, yeah, Anno basically says, like, fuck yeah, anime, fuck go, anime outside. go outside. <laughs> you know, and it feels like, it feels like, like, Madoka doesn't have, like, a grudge against anime the way that, that, uh, end of Ava and the rebuilds do, um, you know, but, like, um, it definitely feels like, like, it might have to do something like that in order to resolve this conflict of, like, essentially wiping the slate clean of the established rules of the universe um, in order, like, yeah. basically being like, we have constructed a story and a narrative system in which justice and, 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 and peace are impossible, so we must rewrite and, and erase the very rules themselves. Uh, <laughs> right. Speak, yes, um, yeah. Speaking of of, of <laughs> each, they're kind of, kind of conflicting rules. Uh, we forgot to mention the like the oh, post credits yeah. scene where where you see what Homura means by putting the, the, all the despair of the world onto Kyuubei. Yeah, he, he looks like he's <laughs> gone to the wash. <laughs> he just like yeah, you see you see her kind of sitting in a chair above the like above the city, looking at it, and like. Behind her, Kyuubei is there, just like thrashed to yeah. hell and back, and it um, it has a weird thing where she like does a little dance and then falls off the cliff, uh, and then it like cuts in close on Kyuubei's face, and he just looks like he's seen some fucking yeah. shit. <laughs> like that look at his eyes, no more smiling cat face, just like sheer yeah. terror. And then it like goes deeper into his eyes. And that's another and then, thing that that post credit scene brings up yeah. is that like the notion that like Cubay uh, is like incapable of understanding hope and despair. Like he has these no, he has like no access into human emotions. Mm. But like putting all of that despair onto him has forced him to confront the misery and suffering that he has imposed on people. Um, you know, so I'm interested yeah. to see if they go anywhere with that in the in the next movie. That's you know? true. Yeah. I th yeah, I think I think kind of one fruitful direction that it could go would be to kind of question like kind of the premise that has driven both of these endings. Whereas initially it was Madoka being like, uh, like, like as she as she is kind of want to do in the show to kind of take the world on her shoulders and rewrite the world to be the the one who. Um, relieves everyone of their suffering homura meanwhile decided to like 
say fuck that she's going to rewrite the world to basically make yeah. madoka happy uh and it's both like yeah, a story. One, it's, it's, one it's interesting kind of, because it's like she's doing it to make Madoka happy, but she's doing it against expressly Madoka's wishes, which is is an interesting like <laughs> sort of like nugget of like condensed version of like the show's themes in that like doing what you want or like doing something selfish selflessly for somebody else might actually be selfish and doing something selfishly might actually be selfless where like homura is doing it in large part for herself like she's not she loves madoka so much and she can't stand to live in a world where madoka doesn't exist even if madoka is fine with that so she she is so like we have Madoka's sort of ultimate selflessness in, like, the Christ allegory, and we have Homer's sort of ultimate selfishness, uh, like, in her, like, capturing all of this despair in order to construct a universe to make herself happy. Uh, Yeah, and I think what ties them both together is it's, in each case, it's one person kind of deciding, like, this is how the universe is going to be. And, go like, yeah, going forward, it might be interesting to kind of tease at that and be like, that, you can't Yeah, it seems that. like Urobochi like, is, like, aware of that. choose for everyone yeah. else how the, like, how the world should be. It can't, like, whether or not you're doing it for selfish or selfless motivations, you're still, as a, a single individual, kind of imposing, in this case, literally, the laws of nature yeah. uh, on other people. And so a way forward might be to uh, like f- require them to kind of think of how to make a world that is not created through the imposition of a yeah. single will. Yeah, that's definitely like, and that strikes me as, as in line with like, you know, Urobochi's Al Qaeda comments um, <laughs> about like him, him <laughs> being insistent, like a singular vision of the world and a singular vision of justice, and 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 even if it's very self righteous, cannot construct a stable world, um, you know, and and doesn't always lead to, uh, uh, to to happiness. And so I'm I'm very interested to see where it goes. I'm extremely aware that it could be terrible. Um, it could be oh, yeah. a catastrophic disaster, but, um with this yeah with this movie and with the show being so good like i i do have faith that it will be good or like i i have i can at least hope that it will be good which is a new feeling for me uh with anime (laughs) you know that like i have and having the sense that like somebody is making a new thing in a series that you like and it might actually be good your soul gem is getting I know. of despair. It's so strange. It might it might be good at all is such a strange such a strange consideration. Um anyway, <laughs> Nine Delights. We did the Nine Delights in our last episode, so I'll just say what we what we decided. <laughs> which was that uh, we, we gave walking around a three out of five. Uh they they do a decent amount of it. Uh we- yeah, they they, yeah. they stretch uh, their Fellowship is a five out of five, obviously. Deliciousness is a three out of five. There's some tasty food, but it's not really the focal point. There's there's some there's some cake. There's, there's a, a whole a song about cheese, cake, at least referenced. There's tea. Yeah. There's tea. Yeah. They, yeah. They, uh, they, Transcendence they is five out of five, food. obviously. Goofing is three out of five. There are bits of this show that are really really funny, but it's definitely not a comedy. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Trump game is yeah. goof. Sounds a little. 
Yeah. In out. Uh, amelioration, which is a, a five out of five, obviously. Uh, we, we perhaps controversially gave Coitus a two out of five. Uh, the, because, yeah, when they were, when they're like naked outside of time and if space. If that's not uh, sex, I don't know what is. Like, it's uh, something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh. Uh, enthrallment is a five out of five, obviously. Alex, your wild card was evil cats. Would you give a five out of five? Would you, would you like to expand I, or change I, that? I give it. You did give, give it an infinity, infinity out, of out of five. Because Kube seems to have an infinite number of clones of himself that he can draw upon. Um, yeah. And my wild card was homosexuality, and, which I obviously gave a five out of five. Um. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Alex, do you have a book to recommend? I absolutely do. So tragically, I can't recommend kind of the most appropriate book, uh, which would have been Kate Atkinson's Life After Life, because I've already recommended it on a previous show. But it would be so fitting because it's about a woman who, when she dies, she is reborn, and she kind of goes through a, a, a huge number of loops, kind of iterating on them each time as her memories bleed through each uh, each run uh, it's a brilliant book it's it's one of my favorite books of the past like 20 years uh, but i've already recommended it so instead i will recommend something i've read recently and it is about time travel so there's we've got a bit of a got a bit of a hook uh kindred by octavia butler so this is about a, a woman living in the 70s um who finds herself uh kind of hoisted back in time to the 1800s, 18, I think, 50s, uh, certainly prebellum. And she finds that um, not only is she, is she kind of hauled back to the time and place of one of her ancestors, one of her, a woman who is a slave, um, she discovers that the man who owns her, his son is also one of her ancestors. So she learns kind of through a kind of a complicated procedure that uh, this, this boy and who's the son of a slave owner and this girl who's a slave will at some point have a child and that child will be one of her ancestors. And so in order to um, kind of prevent paradox, she has to keep this kid alive as he grows up and becomes a worse and worse person being the son of a slave owner in uh, 1850s America. And it doesn't even ever explain how time travel works. It, um, like the architecture in uh, Madoka, it is just kind of an unexplained facet of the world and it's better for it. Uh, but it's a fantastically interesting book um, just in terms of showing how things have and haven't changed from then and now and also how people are shaped by their environment like she against her will becomes like sympathetic towards this kid and grows close to him um even as he kind of inevitably succumbs to the white supremacism of his time and it's fantastic. So that's Octavia Butler's uh, Kindred. All right. Uh, I am going to recommend uh, the, just the book that I've been reading lately, which is The Death and Life of Great American Cities by Jane Jacobs. 
Um, so if anybody follows me on Twitter, you probably know that I am enthusiastic about uh, urban planning and public transit and walkable cities and stuff like that. And this book, which came out in 1961, is the sort of the progenitor of that kind of thinking uh, in American urban planning. Um, so it's it does sort of connect to this show in the loosest sense that I mentioned Le Corbusier uh, in this episode. And this this book is has a lot to say about his ideas about urban planning he had this concept of like the radiant city which was an extension of like an older idea uh by a guy called ebenezer howard called the the garden city um and the radiant city was super influential on a lot of like 60s 70s and 80s uh public housing projects uh like the idea of like you know if you've ever seen like the queensbridge project in new york city um you know like big tower blocks surrounded by like parks and stuff like that and about and jane jacobs talks a lot about this idea and about how it's completely counter to any you know empirical knowledge about how cities function and she goes into a lot of detail and sort of breaks down like the function of different aspects of cities and like how cities work in a really great detail like a whole third of the book is just spent talking about the various functions of sidewalks you know and she's talking about like the way that like sidewalk activity functions to keep people safe and like you know she talks a lot about um uh stuff like like you know in like the first chapter she talks about how like uh Urban planners often hate institutions that are open late, like bars, because they see them as being associated with vice and sin. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, bars are essential to city safety because they keep people on the streets late at night, you know, and they keep people around. And, like, when there's people around, people don't commit crimes because there's people looking at them. Um, you know, and it's, it's a really, really magnificent book that articulates super, super clearly, like, everything that is wrong about the way that people then and even now think about designing cities. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really good. And it's, it's both, like, it's, it's a lovely read because it's good to see uh, so much of this stuff, like, laid out so clearly. Um, but it's also a very frustrating read because people are still making the exact same mistakes that urban planners were over 50 years ago, despite the fact that we have known that this, that these, these decisions don't lead to good cities, uh, for, you know, decades at this point. Um, like there, I, there's a quote that I really, really liked that, um, you know, it was sort of, is sort of sums up the sort of feel of the book, which is, uh, talking about like Ebenezer Howard and his idea of garden cities. She says his aim was the creation of self-sufficient small towns, really very nice towns. If you were docile and had no plans of your own and did not mind spending your life with others with no plans of their own as in all utopias, the right to have plans of any significance belonged only to the planners in charge. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, that is The Death and Life of Great American Cities by Jane Jacobs. Okay, so next month we are going to be watching Night on the Galactic Railroad, directed by Gisaburo Sugi and produced by Group TAC. Uh, this is a, a movie from the 80s that I know very little about. Uh, I've heard good things about it. I was talking about it. I learned about it from some friends uh, like a month or two ago, um, and I've I've been interested in watching it ever since. So I'm I'm super excited. It's about some cats who go on a train through space and have a bad time. Um, uh, the only the only thing that I, I really know about it that hasn't really really excited is that the music is by Haruomi Hosono, uh, who is a producer of Japanese pop music, who is one third of the band Yellow Magic Orchestra, which I'm a huge fan of, um, and I love his solo stuff as well. Um, 
and he so like he it's actually sort of interesting because like I think of of the guys in that band I think of Ryuichi Sakamoto as being like the movie soundtrack guy he did a lot more movie soundtracks um, and Haruomi Hosono I think of as being more like the pop producer like he was responsible for a lot of like big Japanese idol pop hits in the 1980s and for sort of shaping the sound of idol pop you know even to this day um, so it's really interesting to see him doing a film soundtrack um, and and his his music yeah. is amazing. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear that. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be watching Night on the Galactic Railroad, directed by Gisebara Sugi. Uh, Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Online. Let's see. Uh, on Twitter at dun dun dun. I still post on Mastodon, Catalina at selfie.army. That's selfie with a Y. I'm on Cohost, the fourth website. Uh, cohost.org slash Catalina and I stream at trash.cloud uh, you can find me on twitter at profit underscore goddess you can find me on Mastodon at profit underscore goddess at skeleton dot cool uh, I am also on the fourth website uh, at profit dash goddess um uh, you can find my video games at profitgoddess.itch.io. I blog at blood.church. I also stream at trash.cloud along with Alex. Um, yeah, you can find the show on Twitter at Animators for Jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at Animators for Jerks at skeleton.cool. You can find the show on co-host at Animators for Jerks. And you can email us with any of your questions or comments about anything that we said in this episode or any other episode all at animatorsforjerks at gmail.com. Um, we don't have any particularly funny spam this week, although I, I, I did look at it last <laughs> night, and I, this will only be funny to me, but there is an email from somebody who's claiming that their name is Jonathan Davis, which is very funny to me because that's the lead singer of Korn. Um, so if the lead singer of Korn wants to be on this podcast, I wouldn't say no. Uh... I don't like that band, but <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. I would. Well, guess our chance. So yeah, uh, thanks everybody for watching. We'll be back next month with Night on the Galactic Railroad, and remember, there is nothing less important than anime.